Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Listen to this. This is the tape I found downstairs. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. From the gnarled woods of Michigan to the sun-kissed skyline of L.A. We are Halloweenies! You said, I hope you understand when you read this letter that you're better off without me. Cause around me is stormy weather. Stormy weather. Always surrounds me. Salutations, Halloweenies, and welcome to another killer episode here on our Evil Dead season. However, if you took a peek at our schedule this month, you might ask, Hey, Halloweenies, what on earth are you thinking with today's main feed film? So, three things. Number one, it's a Sam Raimi film. Number two, it's Marvel's first horror film. Well, this iteration of Marvel anyways. And a question we'll be answering by the end of this episode. And number three... To quote Wanda Maximoff, you break the rules and become a hero. I do it and become the enemy. That doesn't seem fair. And I'm pointing the finger at the studio heads that have shuffled Evil Dead Rise to 2023. You broke the rules, so now we're breaking the rules, and it's torn our Halloweenies universe apart because today we're covering the 28th Marvel movie entry. Jesus. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm one of your co-hosts, Wolfman Mac, but today I'm going as my multiverse counterpart, Wolf Mordo Mac, (laughs) and I've brought along my personal picks for this realm's Illuminati. So if you would please introduce yourselves, and rather than tell me the first time you saw Doctor Strange, as we'll all have the same answer, I'm sure, I want to know what your favorite Marvel movie is and why. Well, this is uh, Scarlett Justin Gerber and... Here's the thing. Uh, I have never read a comic book in my entire life. In my entire life. It's not The Dark Knight Returns or whatever it's called. doesn't count. That's a graphic novel. And uh, no, I have to count, say... that counts. That's a collection, Justin. That's a collection okay, of well, in that case, what was I've a read, comic book. Yeah. I've read four comic books in my <laughs> life. And, uh, <laughs> if you're going to collect them all together. And I got to say, I have enjoyed at least two-thirds of these Marvel movies. Now... I, I can. I'm looking at my letterbox. Thank you very much, letterbox.com. I I can safely say I can recommend from soft to high recommend 18 of these movies. 18, 18 of, these of movies. the 28. 18 of the 28, and I can say that I think that eight of these are actually very good. Now, God, of those eight, I mean, it's funny to say that they're so different from each other. But back in the day, these movies were kind of different from each other. But now, as yeah. of now, they're just kind of swath of of bright color and and. Badly choreographed fight scenes. I'd have to say, though, 
when all's said and done, you strip down for parts. It's hard to go against Iron Man when you really think about it. Hmm. Because it wasn't beholden to anything. True. At all. The only connective tissue was if you stayed after the credits. And even that doesn't make 100% sense. Anyway, um, so I'd, I'd have to go with Iron Man. I think Iron Man's a very good, authentic, you know, 8 out of 10. And that being said, once again, I don't give any of these movies more than like an 8 out of 10. None of them. I don't think there's any masterpieces in any of them. I don't think there ever will be. But I would give uh, Iron Man an 8 out of 10. So there you go. That's my answer. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, we're going to throw it over to Mike. Hello. This is uh, Wanda or Rothman Vision. Uh, Michael Rothman Vision. <laughs> that's, that's a thing, right? Well, I didn't watch the show, but uh, you know, it certainly uh, fits the name. But, uh, oh, that's good to know, though, Mike, because I have some questions for you then. Oh, interesting. Yeah. absolutely yeah. changed your ex- entire experience with this movie. Well, I've, I've seen, yeah. I, thought, I saw the first episode, and then everyone was like, it's Lynchian. And I said, I'm out. Well, maybe those people were 11 years old, you know. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. Well, um, yes, this is uh, Michael Ramey Rothman. I'm going to change it again, too, because I just don't feel like I fit the name for WandaVision at this point. <laughs> well, like but, WandaVision, uh, though, Mike, like, it, you know, every episode was different for the first three episodes, so it makes sense that you would change your name. That is true. So I just, I just uh, what is it, flick the channel changer? Uh, change it one more time. Change it yeah. one more time. <laughs> hey, this is uh, Michael Ant-Man Rothman. Um, if you couldn't tell from some of these references, uh, I, I'm not very familiar with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, although I've seen a, a good majority of them. You know, I enjoyed these movies when they were first coming out. I remember it was only a year after I got to Chicago that uh, Iron Man came out. And I think I used Iron Man as like a waiting room movie for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> let's just say I enjoyed Iron Man more than Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But I, it, it really didn't occur to me until I think like, I don't know, like Thor or Captain America maybe, where I was like, oh, these movies are really going to start getting even more interconnected than I thought it was. Like it just, it just didn't dawn on me that like they really were going to create this entire cinematic universe. And in that respect, you know, I applaud them. I think it's very cool. But as you said, Justin, like I I don't think of these movies as like masterpieces or I would ever even have any of these movies really be in the contention of like the best comic book movie. I still think that, you know, my, my, I still think my band Raimi, has a uh, has has a uh, has a lot of weight in that game with Spider Man Two, you know, with Burton, with Batman Returns, or even the original Batman. I just don't know if there any of these movies have the ability to do that. And a lot of that has to do with the rewatchability factor. So, like when I was thinking of like, all right, what's my favorite movie out of these franchises? Out of this franchise, and it's like I had to like chisel it down to the ones I've actually seen more than once. And because in that sense, like I've actually had an impetus to be like, oh, I want to revisit that. So there's got to be some sort of luster to it. And I mean, the one I always go back to is Iron Man 3 with Shane Black, just because I love Shane Black. You yeah, know? That's in my top tier also. And I just think, because you know, we'll probably debate a lot about it today, is just that you know, when the filmmakers are attached to this, they seem so much of like an afterthought most of the time. You know, it's like, oh, well, you got this name attached to this movie. doesn't really speak anything for the movie. It just means that they're going to be involved, and I guess it's in capable hands, but it's, it has that MCU look. And I'd argue that, like, at least Shane Black managed to peter through big time. And it was, like, one of the first times I really got to see some sort of filmmaker style come in. So I really do love Iron Man 3. But I also, I, I do like the Ant-Man movies just because I, I, they, they're just a comedy for me. So, like, yeah, I could go back. And I like yeah. the, the rapport between um, uh, Paul Rudd and uh, Michael Douglas of uh, Disclosure fame. So um, I, in that respect, I do like those movies. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a lot of mixed feelings 
about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and, and I'm mm-hmm. excited to talk about them today. So <laughs> I, I'm excited too. And this is with Mordo Mac again, and my favorite. <laughs> my favorite is I'm probably the biggest Marvel fan here, right? Of the three of us. I, I mean, you've probably uh, read more comics than Justin, right? <laughs> well, in terms of the yeah, comic aspect but, of it, absolutely. But I mean, okay, so I think Justin and I are probably on the same level. I probably like more movies than Justin does, though, in terms of Marvel movies. Maybe, but it's but not far off. I think we're pretty pretty on the same level. Uh, but my favorite, okay, my my top two, I gotta say, because one Justin said didn't really count is Endgame, and Endgame is really my yeah. number one. But I I understand where you're coming from. It's like kind of a weird movie because it doesn't really stand on its own. You know, you kind of have to see, you know, the 26 movies before or whatever, 25. So I, I just, for me as a Marvel fan, sitting in the theater, watching that last battle and watching the Avengers assemble, I just, I remember, you know, I've said this before. I remember having the, the, um, I think it was the 1992 uh, Marvel cards, right? The trading cards. And mm-hmm. it had the Infinity War on there. And I just never thought I would see that on the big screen and done well and done competently and done with emotion. And like, it just, it just worked. And I could not believe what I was seeing. You know, I think I got a little teary eyed at that, at that point. But I think it was also because I knew that my Marvel experience and what I grew up with and what I loved was kind of coming to an end, right? Which is strange because my second top Marvel movie is still Guardians of the Galaxy because what they were able to do with that film, which I think is really good, is take a property that really, if you're not if you're not into comic books, you no one knows Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, I mean, those are all brand new characters, totally new story. Generally, I mean, they they really took that and James Gunn made that made that its own thing, right? And I was like, wow, they they can breathe life into this. It's not just going to be, you know, what we've known and loved or grew up with, like the Hulk and Captain America stuff. And I was like, wow, okay, this this could be cool. The only problem is, is that after that, I have a love hate relationship with that movie now because mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. that, I feel like Marvel they were like, this is the formula that works, yeah. And they tried to tailor a lot of movies after that into the Guardians format, which is like using current music, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rather than a score. Lots of bright colors, you know, like look at Thor Ragnarok and Thor, you know, Love and Thunder. Very much the same no, aesthetic. You. you lean into Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you lean into Guns N' Roses now. And it's like, yeah, and it's like, I get that. And also, Chris, look, Chris Hemsworth is really funny, but... To just now lean into his comedy edge, I feel it's what they've done in those two movies, and it's just it's a strange shift. And after watching Thor: Love and Thunder this weekend, which I thought was a, kind of a mess, and the weird Guardian stuff in the beginning for like twenty minutes, it, it's just bizarre. Anyways, ultimately, before we get to the negatives, uh, we are talking about our favorite Marvel movies. And honestly, even though I didn't like some of the Guardian sequel stuff. I look back at that movie and I really connected to it. I really think it's really strong. I think if you watch that on its own, it's still really strong. And Endgame's still really strong for me as well. So remember my uh, remember my great bet or not bet, but my prediction for Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, Justin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said what, what it was, was going to be. A, was I said this is going to be Marvel's first big flop, and it was their like highest grossing movie. <laughs> I remember like sitting there in theaters opening night. It was like like for I think it was like before Lollapalooza or something like that. My brother and I went, 
And I remember like texting Justin being like, I was wrong. Or, you know, it was like, I felt like I was a Harold Lauder or something. I was like, I was, oh. mis- I was misled. <laughs> I was misled. But, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it, it, it just realized like, oh shit, this is, they, they did actually do it. Um, but I never actually thought about that, Mac. Like you are right. Like they really did kind of like lean like whole ass into that. Like and Captain Marvel, right? Like they yeah. space in the 90s and they use all 90s music. And I never thought and about I, that. And it's I totally think, true. You know, I, I get why they did it. But also it's like you look at the past movies and you're like, there might have been some movies that were less than or didn't quite work. Sequels of, you know, like Dark World, right? Thor 2. But what, you already have the formula, formula that really worked. Mm-hmm. So why are you just going to like rest on your laurels going forward? Why not? let these directors come in and do new things with it. I can answer that question. It's because the franchise, as it all became connected, became algorithmed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm-hmm. people were connecting to uh, the Guardians in a way that they weren't connecting to. Well, didn't Thor the Dark World come out before that? Am I wrong yeah, about that? Yeah, it was okay. Thor the Dark World's 2013. And that did not do well comparatively, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, this works. This works. And I, I made the wrong comp earlier when I said everybody became Tony Stark. Mac, you were, you were more on the nose. You're right, because everybody kind of just became the Guardians of the Galaxy. And that includes this latest Doctor Strange movie that we'll be talking about, where everybody's just quick with the quip, quick with like the, uh, I don't think so. You know, I mean, it's just, it's yeah, a nightmare. It's weird because there are exceptions. I mean, as with everything, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, it, it's just kind of emblematic of just where our current culture and, and corporization goes regardless, is that like, you know, Disney saw... I mean, it's the Ian Malcolm thing from Jurassic Park. You know, they saw they could do it. They didn't ask whether they sh- or not they could, you know, or they should. They just kept doing it. And so, yep. like, you know, you look at, like, a stretch from Guardians of the Galaxy to, like, even the early 2018. It's crazy, A, how many more movies they have. Mm-hmm. B, how fast these movies come out, at, like, between each other. I mean, you're talking from before it used to be, like, May to May. <laughs> and then it was like, maybe you'd have another one after that in July, but then you'd still pretty much yeah. have to wait until next May. Then it became like May to November to April, and then August, and then May to July. It's just like, it's ridiculous how fast and, it become, and comes now, out. And now, Mike, you have whole television series, yeah, Marvel series never coming out in between. Yeah. It's really, and that's the question we're gonna, I'm going to ask in a little bit, but in terms of, like, how does this all work? What? what does, is it sustainable? But we'll get into that after we talk about our next category. We've, we, we, I thank you for your insight into the Marvel Universe, folks. I, I do feel like starting off there, we have seen all these movies. Well, Justin and I. And I do feel like we, we're, we know what we're talking about to an extent. So we're going to move into our, our next category here, which is, all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. The 12 gauge double barreled Remington, S Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. So, this is where we're going to talk about uh, any Evil Dead news or just news that affects Halloweenies, I think, a little bit. You know, as I said before, we were going to cover Evil Dead Rise as it was originally slated, as we th- so we thought, to drop in September 2022. And I'm going to throw this over to Justin, who's got an update uh, on that, as well as uh, some other news. Justin, you want to lead well, us through this? Mac- 
I feel like I'm like on the other, like I'm, I'm tapping my ear right now. Well, Mac, I'm on the front, and uh, <laughs> thanks, well, Tom. There should have been a, del- a long delay there. You know, there's always like a, there's always like a weird in? delay oh, between yeah. picking it's up. Like we're it. talking over each other now, so it's perfect. You're like talking to the side to like the yeah. craft table, like oh, uh, yeah. okay, oh, yeah. and then oh. we're like talking to the side, like you know. <laughs> well, Mac, we were awfully no, Mac, let's Mac, Mike, we were awfully tough on HBO Max and its head honcho, my good friend David Zasloff, during our Evil Dead. 2013 episode. It's funny because the episode came out after the good news about Evil Dead Rise came out. But we, who didn't? Who would have known? Who would have known? You know, at the time, we knew that Batgirl and uh, Scoob gets spooked, or whatever the fuck it was called. They were they were both <laughs> produced, but unceremoniously tossed away for quote unquote tax purposes. So Evil Dead Rise writer director Lee Cronin tweeted out prayers up for the future of his own movie. Everybody was in the dark, including the filmmakers. Sometimes, if you wait long enough, the sun will rise. Hopefully without one last scare of a POV demon rushing through the woods and destroying you. So a few days after our recording, it was announced that not only will Evil Dead Rise still be released by Warner Brothers Discovery, but it will be released in theaters first. Yeah, I mean, because Evil Dead Rise was produced specifically to be an HBO Max streaming movie. It was never intended to go into theaters at all. So this is a combination of since that announcement of the movie... Years a year or so ago, uh, David Zasloff, as much of a, of a monster as we're making him out to be, in some reasons justifiably because he probably isn't a great person. He's a he runs a studio. Uh, no shots. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is he still wants to put movies in theaters first, and so it's, a, it's because of that and the fact that there were some really really good reports coming out of early screenings, uh, really positive, positive enough for him to be like. We're going to be throwing this up in, in the spring. We're bumping again a Stephen King property for a, another Evil Dead movie. And it's for those reasons that the movie was upgraded. And I, 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 I'm not kidding. I did not see this happening at all. I, I was at the point where I was kind of like, are they just going to toss this movie aside as well? Like, I, that, I would have been more, I would have been less surprised if they literally just shelved it forever than upgrading it to theaters. I did not see it coming. I'm not sure how yeah, you two felt about it. Personally, I feel like this is a good thing. You know, obviously we would have wanted, loved to have it our season culminate in this, mm. but, you know, we've done some dead franchises before. You know, we did Nightmare, we did Friday. There weren't new movies there. I feel like we can, we can put a little cap on this and then um, breathe some life into that book uh, next, next year on, on the big screen. And I'm all about that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, would have been cool to have it in October yeah, <laughs> or like, or like September. Yeah. You I know, know it, it would have been going crazy if oh it was God. in October though. Think about I know it. I, it, it's, I'm glad uh, that it's, that we're getting a theatrical release for it. It spells well for horror. I had a lot of other thoughts on that too. I mean, having seen barbarian this weekend, there was like what, two people in the fucking theater. So I, I, I don't know yeah, how much eight people in my theater. Yeah. yeah it, it's a pretty dire times in terms of theatrical regardless. I, I and I, granted yeah. I went in the middle of the day and it was, you know, during the weekend and whatnot, but I just, I just wonder how much longer we're able to do this to kind of keep pushing that, you know, and, and, and a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, when we talk about theatrical, we're still talking about these like 24 fucking theater cineplexes, which just need to go away. Like they, they well, need to go back. We need to go back to the seventies and eighties model of like, you know, when I grew up, it was God, it's not like an old man, but like when I grew up, there was four theaters and that was a, considered a big place too. Like I, most of the time they used to just have two theaters and that was great. And that was fine. If we went to that, I think we'd start seeing a little bit more reasonable reasonability and accountability for the the, the funds. Also, I, I just think that that maybe might make it a little easier. But you know, because of uh, 
very on topic for today's episode, because of things like the MCU, you know, these uh, studios expect billion dollar returns. So then we just want bigger and better. And so I'm hoping that this, the, the, the likes of David Zasloff, you know, who I'm trying to be optimistic about is, you know, trying to yearn for that sort of, um, not to say, not, without like middle ground, so to speak, you know, um, yeah. of just like well, trying to well, find I that middle some ground. Some good news for you, yeah, Mike. And this is kind of breaking because they just the Sunday AM box office re- results came in, yeah, and Barbarian is number one at the box office. It's great. How much though? Like five million? It, it well came in higher than anticipated. Yeah, it came in at ten million dollars. <laughs> exactly. Like, and yeah. uh, let me see yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's it's three times multiple off its opening at this point in the pandemic. What would have been? Um, so these reports are actually saying it's kind of optimistic. That's good. That's good. I mean, if that's the second weekend drop off will be slightly less, but I think it's because of word of mouth. Because I think the word of mouth is going to be very good for it's this. It's been very strong for this. Yeah. And but again, that kind of goes back to old school style of theatrical re- releasing. And I've been pushing this for years, especially back when I was in you know I was a film critic. Is that like we need to go back to this? Like we have to stop Walmarting like theatrical releases, where or Amazoning like wall, like these theatrical releases, where like everything has to be the biggest splash ever. Like everything has to be like a three hundred million dollar opening. Like no, they don't. You know, and that was my fear with it in twenty seventeen. It was like, oh great, this movie made a half a billion dollars and shattered the box office. Now that's all they're going to be expecting all horror movies to do. And it's like. You know, a movie, a horror movie topping number one at the box office is a big deal regardless. And so, like, if it walks away with 30, 40 million domestic, I still think that's a fucking win. I don't know if most studio heads do, but I'm hoping that we can kind of gear ourselves towards those expectations again. But again, it's going to have to do with the the, the theatrical circuits out there. And we still have a lot of 24 movie cineplexes that are expecting these huge crowds. Speak to that, you know, like Cineworld, right? Which is Regal's parent just Mm -hmm. filed for bankruptcy. I mean, like, and, and this is all due to the last few years, right, uh, yeah. under the COVID yeah. realm. So even if things are turning around, uh, it's kind of, there's going to be a kind of like a, I think, a bit of a clean cleaning house. And then, like, what works? You know, like, I, I used to work at Disney's Celebration, right, in the, at, the, at the duplex there, the, the two theaters, right? And, they, you know, that... There were even dead times there, <laughs> you know, but like, I loved that aspect because it was just the two theaters and, yeah. you know, you, you were very, you could, you had to really get, get down and be like, okay, what's the big movie this week? And then what's like the movie that everybody else wants to see. Right. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see like what theaters do going forward because it's tough. I mean, we, we went to see Barbarian and the Dolby Plex, right. The, the yeah. at, at, at AMC, because you're essentially in that movie theater and it feels like you're only there with the people in your row. <laughs> the way they built that thing and it's loud and it kind of muffles any other noise going on. You, there's a bar in front of you. So you can't, you cannot see the people in front of you. You can't see phones going off. You can't, I feel like if every theater was like that, people would go. And Justin made a good a point. Uh, if you want to talk about that with um, the AMC, uh, Nicole Kidman thing. Oh, said, I mean, the, everybody makes fun of the AMC commercial with Nicole Kidman, and for good reason, let's be honest. I don't think she's been to an actual movie theater in 35 years. But uh, that is the ideal experience for me, is to be able to go in, in a big screen and not to worry about, you know, an hour, at the two-hour, ten-minute mark, somebody pulling out their phone and shining a flashlight in my face or whispering to their older relative, you know, what's happening in the movie. 
no offense to the elders that are listening to the, <laughs> the podcast. Right. But uh, no, I get that experience. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, that's a whole other podcast, honestly. That's a whole you other know, episode. Yeah, but, but to say the, the joke there is that she's in the movie theater by herself. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, yeah, if you're in a movie theater by yourself experiencing it on the big screen, and you, you don't have to deal with like, humans <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it's a great behavior. experience yeah. you know yeah. like, <laughs> you know what i always joke about is uh it's at that very theater is that uh you know when you walk down it's got that spider sort of thing where you know it's got two different arms so like one side has got 12 theaters the other one has another 12 theaters mm-hmm. but i always joke about is uh it, it feels almost like very dark tower midworld because you go there and there's like a concession stand at the end of the hallway and i'm like man did they ever, i don't think i remember them ever using this and it's like that sort of yeah. expectation that like oh we have 12 fucking concession stands out in the middle of between these two arms of theaters but that's not enough because we were expecting that much of traffic in these 24th cineplexes that we also have concession stands that are out on the arms on the sides and i've and even at the heyday back when like dark knight was being released and the whole fucking cinematic universe was starting never remember seeing those started like being used or utilized and i think that sort of watermark of expectation is what i'm talking about is that like we have excess is 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 a dangerous thing and this whole world that we live in where it's like aggressive expansion we need to go bigger we need to go bigger i mean i see it all the time i mean i'm in sales and so i see you know the markets and stuff like that all the time of just people being like all right we'll reach this benchmark what can we get to the next one and it's like fuck like you're gonna enjoy the benchmark yeah Yeah, like like, i'm glad i'm glad you said that because like this also this this mirrors what they're doing with the marvel universe right mm -hmm, like yeah bigger 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 multiverse 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 when is it just not sustainable? And yeah. we're, and like I said, we're going to talk about that in a second. Well, we get two nuggets. The first is it's only fitting that after our Evil Dead 2013 episode, there, there was an announcement regarding updates to the Evil Dead game that just came yes. out for fans mm. of the remake or the 2013 version, I should say, especially. Uh, you guys all have to help me out here, but there are two new weapons that you can use. There's a syringe and a nail gun. Oh, interesting. Okay. And most importantly, Mia and David, yes. siblings from that movie, have been added to the game. Yeah. So there you go. I'm, I'm assuming people are pretty excited about that, at least on social media. Well, if you've, you're probably hearing the ads right now, but this, uh, this episode is sponsored by Evil Dead the Game. And hmm. uh, so it's exciting because it's a campaign I've been working on for a while. We're kind of gearing it towards this. And it was serendipitous, too, because we did just, as Justin mentioned, like we did just cover 2013. Evil Dead, and yeah, they got Mia and uh, David, played by the great Shiloh, who has the same name as the greatest dog of all time. But uh, they, yeah, the, both of those are available, and then they also have like I believe Plaguebringer is like another class of Deadite that they have in there yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah, from I mean, Evil Dead from Army of Darkness, I think, right? Yeah. So what's really cool about this whole game platform is that like you know it splashed back in May, and they just they're just going to keep updating it with and expanding this world and like knowing some stuff it's it's exciting to know that that this is not even that there still have so many more updates to come and so like mm-hmm. it's pretty cool i mean in terms of you know in an era where the the evil dead franchise that we know it is pretty much done cuz campbell's pretty much you know finished at playing um ash it's cool that we are seeing this world expanded in the, in this way. And the game is a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not saying that to sound like a fucking chill, but like, I just, I, I do mean it. It's, it's like, it's fucking wild to see and to walk around these worlds that we've seen on screen. It's the same way that the Friday the 13th game kind of blew me away like five or six years ago. So. Yeah, I, no, I agree. You know, I've got the game as well. And 
uh, it's 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 difficult to play the main story. Oh, it's so which, hard <laughs> because there's there's no save points, no. right? Yeah. Now, but here's the thing with these games, and Justin, I know that you haven't played these kinds of games before in terms of like how they're set up, but it's kind of like an app now, right? Like so, like with these updates, like you just mm-hmm. download the new update. So it's very possible eventually they figure out a way to create the save points, right? Yeah, where I hope it makes so. it easier to actually play the main story feed. And then, yeah. then I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. It's just like, you know, you get like 30, 40 minutes in the gameplay and then you die and you got to do all that again. It's, it is, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. But I do like the multiplayer aspect. I like all the other, the avatars you can play. Uh, it, it, when you're in that level, when you're in that world, it is really fun. And there's some, some genuine things that are, are jump scares, you know, uh, like the trees, whenever you're wandering around the forest and stuff. And the score so is really, really chilling works, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the score is really fun. The score like kind of creeps me out. I had it playing a little bit and like Sammy was napping and she was like, <laughs> she's like, this is like giving me the creeps and all like it, it, it does feel very, uh, Loduka. Like, um, so I, I don't know. I'm yeah. aesthetically it, it fucking hits it, but yeah, the app comparison is, is dead on because I, yeah. I think that we are going to be getting like a shitload of more rounds in here. And I, I was trying to think like what else they could add, you know, because like they've pretty much hit on everyone. I mean, the fact that we have Scotty in the game is pretty wild to me. <laughs> like, well, that's the crazy. first player. That's the first, when I went and did the, the walkthrough, the training yeah. walkthrough, I was like, Oh, I gotta be Scotty. Gotta be Scotty. <laughs> like, yeah. Immediately to Scotty. Yeah. Of yeah. all the, of all the characters, like multiple iterations of Ash, you know, Oh, you know what? I know. I know who they haven't added. They haven't added, uh, my boy, uh, from evil dead 2013, uh, Eric, like they leave Eric, he's a Eric in the movie. Um, but oh, Lou, the guy, oh, Pucci, okay. Pucci, Lou, Lou Taylor Pucci, like got to yeah. add him. Let's get, give me, give me Pucci, you know, uh, but not Pucci right. from he the Simpsons. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right, Justin, what was the, well, the final bit of news is, you know, another franchise we talked about, talk about a franchise that started off kind of like you're talking about Mike, like with the word of mouth scream. Yeah. Well, mm. Scream with two exclamation points, a.k.a. Scream 6, a.k.a. 6 Scream. We'll, we'll decide that later on. To quote the, the King of Pop in his Liberian Girl video, okay, everybody, that's a wrap, because this movie has <laughs> completed shooting. And there was, also, there was a big cast and crew photo taken outside of a subway car in a subway station. So it looks like they oh. will be taking advantage of, uh, I'm sure there'll be a great sequence in a subway car, which should be, should be a lot of fun. And I think it takes place around Halloween, by the way. There was Halloween decorations set up uh, for this movie. So interesting. Maybe they're trying to take the Halloween mantle, even though it's coming out in March. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Uh, but so no word yet, though, if whether or not the movie will take place on the cruise ship for the first hour. But we'll have to wait and see until, I hope so. until March 2023. <laughs> well, that, I hope there's like a little token to it. Like, or like, you know, they're about to go on a boat. And it's like, eh, let's fly. Let's fly instead or something like that. Well, everybody know? else goes on a boat, but they <laughs> stay behind. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was my point was that next year, you know, we've got a great season lined up, which who knows, we, we, we change these things all the time. So we could totally change it in the next few months, but we've got a good season lined up. But what's cool is like in the months that normally don't have a lot of like horror to talk about, like we've got like March and April, like big, big movies coming out for the pod. So, we, you know, uh, and Mike was mentioned earlier on in another episode that, you know, it's always kind of a bummer when Halloween ends, pun intended. But I do feel like we've got some pretty good horror staples like thrown in there to filter like all the way to at least halfway to Halloween. So, mm-hmm. uh, so sure. I'm looking forward to dead, dead right. I mean, I, I, yeah. I've been bemoaning the end of Halloween my entire life. 
And uh, this is the first year having, you know, because I'm in sales for horror, for, you know, for horror site. So horror is my life 24 seven. And I found myself like watching like movies like Night Moves on the weekend because I'm just like, all right, I get the I gotta get the fuck away from horror for just a little bit. And I never thought I'd say that. I mean, granted, I still love but this. But it's, it's around, right? But it's it is like, our year it's round. Still very yeah. much around. It's it's Halloween all year round. You know, we're all Jack Skellingtons at this point, so yeah. um, it's pretty exciting. Oh, we'll be talking about Jack Skellington later on. Oh, really? <laughs> Are you really? Oh, because yeah, of Dan- oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, Mr. Yeah. Elfman. Uh, that's right. I thought you were that's talking right. about Chris Sarandon for a second. And if he's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, Chris Sarandon. Yeah. There's, a, there's a cut scene. Yeah. You guys, you know it's been nicer lately? And in Wisconsin, you never quite know when winter is going to be in, but it's been nice for like four days in a row. And I'm like, if sunnier days are coming, it's time to fuel up. And so I'm going back to my factor meals that no prep, no mess. I want to hit my weight goals before it's time to hit that beach. You've got options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, Factor has these fresh, never-frozen meals, dietitian approved guys. And here's the big thing for me, keeping out of the kitchen as much as possible, two minutes, and these meals are ready. So it doesn't matter how busy you are, you've always got time. So treat yourself. They have 35 different meals to pick from, 60 add-ons to choose every week. You're always going to have new stuff to try. Have it whenever you want. It's effortless, guys. So if you'd like to try it yourself, head to factormeals.com slash badmovies50 and use code badmovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BADMOVIES50 at FactorMeals.com slash BADMOVIES50 to get 50% off of your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, now that we've talked about uh, uh, all the news and a little bit of the Marvel films and uh, that we love, at least, I want to briefly talk about the Marvel multiverse. And I said briefly, so let's try to keep it brief, <laughs> uh, on whether we think these future phases work or don't work or why maybe less is ultimately always more. Do you think moving into the multiverse, which is something that people keep saying with this movie and with no way home that it, it, whether it's a good or bad decision, right? Like they, they're like, well now we've, you know, well this movie has, you know, really broken the mold and like we've opened up the multiverse, which is going to play a huge part in this next phase of Marvel. That scares the hell out of me. Well, it doesn't, what scare, do you guys it doesn't scare me anymore because I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. I, I, I agree with you. I, I watched Endgame, and for me personally, somebody's very critical about anything I see these days because I've been basically a critic in some form for over a decade now. I remember thinking every, especially the finale of Endgame, mm-hmm. like every crowd-pleasing moment landed. Landed. I, even it the totally rewatch did. factor works. I was shocked at yeah. that. And it made me feel emotional in a way that I, I had never felt at all. All in any of the previous Iron, in any of the previous uh, Avengers movies, as much as I liked a lot of those, and it ends with like the sign off. It's like you're watching Undiscovered Country. You know, it's like they got yeah. the sign off. Yeah. It's over. Everybody's saying goodbye. We're done. But you, you have to remember, this isn't just an author writing a book and saying I'm done. This is this is a part of a billion, multi billion dollar complex, and they're just going to keep going. Yeah. And they kept going. It's like it's almost like you have like a shaky flight. And then the plane lands, and it's perfect. Everybody applauds, and then it just crashes at the end of the, <laughs> run, at the, end of the runway. Or it takes I, back off again, right? I mean, like, oh, the, we didn't quite land. Let's yeah. look at, uh, or they didn't the refuel at all, and they just go back up well, in the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you land this incredible, like, 24-movie plane, basically, right? And, but then you have something like you know, Black Widow, which is fine. Shang-Chi, fine. I heard the Eternals is so bad, I haven't even seen it yet. It's pretty pretty bad. I, to be fair, you know, No Way Home was was good. I thought it was good. 
I don't think it was near as good as some people thought it was, to be honest with you. But Far um, From Home, Spider-Man 2 came out after Endgame. Well, I did not like that movie. Oh, well, I, didn't yeah, like it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it was it. a mess. I thought it was a mess. And then you've got, <laughs> I've even seen this new Thor movie. It's awful. And it's just, you know, you, you got to keep going. You can't just say goodbye. We got to keep pumping them out. IP, familiar IP, matching people together, multiverses. You know, it's just going to be, an, I have a fear that they're going to announce like multiple Spider-Man movies with different Spider-Men. We've already got fucking different Jokers uh, out there. Even though it's a different Spider-Man. company. It's not good. And if, and it, 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 this isn't so much me saying it's not for me. The problem is this is all there's going to be. So there will be nothing for me. That's the issue that we we're running well, into right now. Yeah. I, think, well, I think you guys agree with me on that. Well, I do agree. And this is something I, you know, when uh, the, what is it? What is the last Spider-Man movie called? No Way Out? No Way, no way um, Home. No way, no way Home. Yeah, No Way Home. So when that happened, it, to quote my man, Ian Malcolm again, uh, I, I, I said that this was going to happen. I said, you know, because everyone was like, because I didn't see it. Because I, when I heard about this multiverse shit, I was like, this is, everyone's fucking losing their mind. They're all excited to see all these Easter eggs. But this is just a fucking cheap excuse for all the suits up there to just throw in as much IP as they want and you can get away with it. And that was, that's one of the reasons why I haven't seen the other the animated one either. Because I was just like, I was like, oh, God. Oh, like, what, I, the, I just, the What If show? Is no, the, the 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 one that won the Oscar, the uh, Into the oh, Spire. Like, it's supposed I will, to be great. Sorry, I know no, no, everyone's I, look. Everyone says you know, the same thing about to, this one. Like, come to never, it, yeah, come to it on your own. I would say come to it I know. This is I know. Different. This is different, but, though, Mike. I think Spider Verse. Yeah. Come to it on your own because that is genuinely a good movie. I, I know, I but this I think is my no point. way home is fun. Yes, but, but, but yeah, go ahead. So, so my point about all this was that, like, yes, they, you know. It starts off that way. It's it's like the, the Ian Malcolm quote from Lost World. It's just like the ooh ah. That's how it always starts. But then later, there's the running and screaming, and like that's what the multiverse is going to do. Because yes, mm-hmm. you have an example of someone that does it uh, with finesse and with purpose. And you did you saw that ostensibly in the animated one you guys are talking about because I've, I've heard it's the best movie of all time. So I you know I need to watch it in five years when I don't hear that anymore. But when I did see the new live action one last year with um, Tommy McGuire and uh, Andrew Garfield. I stayed away from it because I was like, this is my worst fear because it was just like, oh God, this is what it is. And everyone said it was great. And I saw it and it was great. I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought, I was like, wow, they pulled it off. I can't believe it. Yeah, they pulled yeah. it off. That was good. And then, but here's the thing is that it, it's the ooh and ah thing. It's like, I'm ooh and ah. And then of course we go into this and then we go in to see what's happening up ahead and all these other fucking TV shows and Loki and all this stuff. And this is the nightmare where everyone's starting to run and screaming because it's like, yes, this is where we're going to have it. There's no stakes anymore now. There's no nope. like grounded sort of story. It's all just, hey, who can we throw in here to th- fucking sp- throw spaghetti in the wall? And it's, that's kind of what I anticipate. Like that's why I, I knew that this was going to be a Pandora's box situation. Mm-hmm. And looking at D twenty three this past weekend, which you know this, and, and that's how it ties in the news in the sense that like this is we're seeing more and more shit being announced. And I could give a flying fuck about any of it. It's like it's just it's all just colors now. It's all just here's the same logo that kind of looks different, but it's a little slightly off than the other one that they announced two minutes before then, and then they plaster 20 of them all in one banner that has a timeline for the next 10 years and you look at that and you're right justin in the sense that like oh great this is what's going to define pop culture for the next 10 years and for the first time i really do think for the first time in the last year 
I don't feel alone in being like, in, in being like, I can't stand this because I just think that most people are starting to feel that way, including the very filmmakers. I mean, Taika Waititi, who I think is a total fucking hack, by the way, I think that he, he, he goes out and says that he, go, he like disowns his own movie. Like they all see it as a fucking paycheck. And that's why I call him that because it's like, he literally is like, they're like they're making, they're, they're confronting him about the FX because Disney's just overrun with their FX department because yeah, that's I got all they have. later on during that it's section a, we can talk about. He like literally like, you know, is making fun of his own movie. And I'm like, yeah, that for me is like right there. That's the tea leaves of just how like in, unstable this is at this and point. And how unaware yeah. they are about it. It's like, they don't even realize what they're doing when they're, when they're, when they're making comments. What you're alluding to, Mike, is that video that he and Tessa Thompson did on, on a certain scene in yeah. Thor, Love and Thunder where they basically just are supposed to just break down the scene but they're just there, like poking fun at how bad the effects are in the editing. Yeah, is. this is like, your movie, and that's just like, a, a normal scene. You know? Yeah, yeah that's strange. Just, yeah, yeah, it's just it's very bizarre, and that's where we're at. <laughs> so, uh, how to? Okay, really quick. How does Marvel save themselves? Stop making movies for a few years, but they'll never yes, do it. They won't. Yeah, my thing is, is the problem is, is that instead of focusing on the original Avengers getting to Endgame. They started introducing fate, the next phase people within that same universe. Mm-hmm. Mistake. Because Endgame could have been the sign-off, you know, the Undiscovered Country sign-off end. And then you introduce Black Panther, Doctor Strange, you know, all these new characters. And then it's not beholden to any of that stuff. They can be standalone movies. And if they work well enough, then you start to do the same formula as getting to the Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to watch 30 movies and or 40 television series to understand the next movie it's not sustainable i think that's just where i land right now and we're we're still early on in that in this phase where we'll see we'll see well here's the thing i mean it's maybe it's not sustainable for us but as of was september and Doctor Strange is the third highest grossing movie at the box office has made almost 900 million dollars domestic yeah 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 you know, well, it's not behind, domestic. Though. I apologize. Worldwide, not domestic. Well, it, to be fair, but it's still a, it's, it's pretty a, sad. I think it, it's it's the sorry, Mike. It's the quantity versus quality, right? Like, but go ahead. Well, it's uh, I mean, it's that for sure. Um, but again, it's it's just because of what's actually getting the biggest splash out there. I mean, the Top Gun Maverick thing has to be discussed because when you have a movie like that that has just skyrocketed, no pun intended, through the box office dollars. With a franchise that, yeah, like, I mean, the Top Gun franchise has, has been, you know, I, I think there's been interest and people like it. And, they, you know, it's always been that respected 80s movie, even though I think it's kind of a shit. Uh, yeah, I've always been on the outside. Um, I mean, I, I've never really understood it. A huge, it has a huge fan base that movie does. I saw it way too late in life. But not nearly like this, though. Like, I never no, anticipated no, 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 it. No, no, like, no. this type of success speaks to, I think, a larger discussion that inevitably Hollywood's going to fumble regardless because we're already seeing it with the new Beverly Hills Cop movie where it's like they're not going to learn their lesson of what's actually happening here. And my thing with Top Gun that I've, I've seen from it this year is that I think people are really hungry for a movie that actually just feels like a movie again, you know, like, like you watch Top Gun Maverick. And the thing that speaks out to me is that you have human characters doing human things, even though he, you know, ejects at Mach <laughs> yeah. eight, at 10 or 15 I mean, or whatever. Yeah. But it's, like, it's a movie you definitely have to put, you know, it's just, you know, you're not watching Anna brothers, you know, no, but it's, it's a fun, let's 
go fight on our jets movie, you know? It is, but it, but fine. it also but it's also it's, filmed it's filmed on location in real in real places mm-hmm. in real things and and there's real a tangibility action. to it. Yes, and I think people are hungry for that. And I'm hoping that Hollywood can realize that with the except I mean Tom Cruise does cuz that's I mean look, his fucking recent announcement, he's like on a goddamn plane and he goes upside down. But I, I kind of wish that Hollywood realized that because you watch these movies and I just don't feel anything from them anymore. And I think that's maybe that's sort of I'm hoping that that's the big takeaway from from Top Gun Maverick this year is that that's what people are hungry for. Because it can't it cannot be just the IP, because I don't think that Top Gun is big enough to just surge ahead like this as it does in the box office. Well, I, I think do for think me that, it was because I like I said, I legit do not like that original movie. No. And I, and I thought this new one was is the best movie of the year so far. Now, granted, it's a whole other conversation to be had about the quality of overall movies. But yeah, I, I think that the draw there was Tom Cruise is still arguably the only movie star left when he makes a movie. Now you're kind of like, I'm going to go see it in theaters. I can't think yeah. of many, honestly, I can't think of many others because uh, these other people are going straight to Netflix movies. You know, it's really strange. But even then, like, I think he's got mission impossible, which keeps, him, which keeps him up there. Right. But then you had like Reacher and mummy, uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, it, I think I my, well, my second point, yeah, in addition to the yeah. Tom Cruise of it all, is the practical effects. Yes. You're watching right. actual right. stunts. You're not just watching somebody on a wire while the screen is being flung around around them. And that, I mean, not to make too fine a point of it, there's no really no pun intended. It's the fact you can see the wire work now. Well, you know, it's, it's the smoke and mirrors are dissipating, and I yeah. think that's what it is. And I think you're you've seen it with. You know, I think Strange gets away because I think they had a lot more time to work on this movie, and they'll, you know, obviously mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in the next section. But like, you watch, I mean, the the, the biggest thing I I saw from Love and the Love and Thunder is what it's called, the, the, Thunder, the new yeah. one, is that 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 one image of the kid <laughs> that's floating above, and that's oh, all God. I really heard about the movie. And I think it's a lot of that, like. It's like what I always think about when my dad went to go see Howdy Doody as a kid, which is an anecdote I think I've said multiple times in this podcast. But like he went there, he saw the strings, he pointed the strings, and they, they dragged him out of the, the theater because he was ruining it for everyone. And I think that's what's kind of happening online right now is that like people are pointing out how, how fake and ridiculous this looks. It's kind of like what happened with the, the Star Wars prequels, that, that gif of like them you know, where they're doing lightsabers in front of the blue screen and everything, everything became a joke at that point. And it really yeah. pushed that franchise to do more practical. I think that's maybe kind of happening with Marvel where they're like, oh, yeah, you can't get by on these big fucking green cube third acts anymore. That's just not Well, I will happen. say maybe, maybe the cap on this is I do think that the one filmmaker at this point, despite the fact that we've had some great filmmakers over the last few years doing Marvel stuff, fucking we had somebody who just won the Academy Award do a Marvel yeah. movie. But I still feel like Ryan Coogler is still given his own reign to yeah. do whatever he wants. Yes. And I, I do think this new Blank Panther movie, especially after watching this again, this Doc Strange movie, actually looks like a lot of it is filmed, you know, on a beach yeah. and not in like or that it's Studio C. You know what I mean? Film. And 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 and, we'll and I had I had another topic, but I think I'll just try to fit it in a little bit later because I want to make sure we yeah. stay on course here. Okay. But let's get let's get into the behind the scenes of this uh, because I do feel like um, speaking of directors and shining through into these films, I do feel like there's a little bit of that here, and we're going to talk about it in Professor Noby's study. The book served as a passageway to the evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago. The seas ran red with blood. It was this blood that was used to ink the book. 
All right, so once again, in Professor Novi's study, we're going to go into the behind-the-scenes aspects of the film, which is directed by Sam Raimi. Ever heard of him? Are there any other films that stand out to you that this guy has done, this guy Sam Raimi? Yeah, obviously, <laughs> he's directed a ton of things, especially the Evil Dead franchise, which we've been talking about this season. While we've already gone heavily into that, let's just touch on the films he did between what we last mentioned, which was Oz the Great and Powerful. And this film, uh, nothing <laughs> save for some, save for some television episodes. Oz, Oz, the great and powerful is the last film he worked on making that jump from 2013 to 2022. Now, obviously he was working hard on evil Astros, evil dead and, you know, producing a lot of projects. Uh, so why Dr. Strange, why come back to a franchise and big studio that essentially was, I feel, I feel a big reason why Sammy kind of walked away from all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, according to uh, the Doctor Strange documentary on Disney+, Plus, Raimi said that his agent called him, told him that they were looking for someone to come in and direct the film. And he said to himself, you know, it's been a long time since I've done a superhero movie, and I wonder if I can still do it. So I wonder, you know, sometimes you're like, well, this is a Disney doc. Is he saying what he really thinks? But I also feel like, it is kind of a thing where he's taken a long break from directing a big picture and a big picture in this sense, like a big Marvel movie. And maybe he just wanted to see if he still had it. You know, maybe he wanted to give it another shot. Um, you know, essentially he's working uh, in a realm he's comfortable in, right? So it didn't take much to twist his arm. And, uh, you know, he just wanted to see if he had the chops still. Uh, now, I'm going to get into the pre-production because... It's not as simple as as everything I've just mentioned before, if it's simple at all. So let me just roll through this. And if you have questions, I'll I'll try to keep track. I'll try to stop and talk about it. But but we can talk about it after for sure. Um, But stop me if you really want to, like, make a point. If I'm getting something wrong, you think. Okay. So for those of you still living under a myriad of rocks, like like the captured Wanda in your <laughs> mind. Let's be reminded that Doctor Strange 2 has been on a roller coaster of a production. Okay, now, so original director and co-writer Scott Derrickson, right from the first film, who did the first film, had plans as early as 2016 for the second Doctor Strange film and signed on alongside Benedict Cumberbatch, right? So some ideas surfaced from then co-writer C. Robert Cargill that the film would ideally feature Carl Mordo, who's introduced in the first film, the, the Chiwetel Ejiofor character, heavily set up as the next big bad, right, for the next Strange film, you would think, as well as a character called Nightmare from the comics. Now, this checks out with the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki that cites <laughs> that Kevin Fe- Kevin Feige, I'm going to start calling him now, also <laughs> mentioning also mentioning in 2019 that the film would not only tie into WandaVision, but also Disney Plus's Loki, because they're trying to connect everything. And this checks out because early murmurings for the Loki production had Nightmare listed as the possible big bad with an, and then also they were there was teasing of Loki being in the Doctor Strange film because the multiverse dealt so much with in the Loki series would make sense for him to pop up somewhere in the multiverse of madness. Now it was said after Derrickson's commitment with Lock and Key that he would return to direct. And obviously they went in a different direction there, which is why I believe is what may have sparked the January 2020 decision where Derrickson leaves due to creative differences, right? Like they wanted maybe to lean more into 
Wanda and WandaVision and all this stuff or or lean more into horror and it just wasn't gelling with with what they had already kind of plotted out with the Mordo character, right? Is it kind of leans away from that, uh, this film. Well, so Derrickson this- actually said that he really, really wanted to make this a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, Not I, like I, a I, up for dispute horror movie. He was the one that really wanted to make it a horror movie. And once again, Disney was like, we'll, we'll make it a, with quotation marks, a horror movie. Right. You know? I think I think you're right, and I think that that was part of the big reason why he left. But I do feel like, uh, you know, I wonder what we would have got, right? Because I, 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 Doctor Doctor Strange is far from a perfect film, but you know, it's 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 got a it's got its own vision. It does feel like its own movie a little bit. Actually, it doesn't have its own vision. Thank God. Oh, oh, you mean Vision himself? Character, yeah. Because that'd been another time. <laughs> yeah, that'd been you know? another thing. Uh, well, okay. Well, at this point, Sam Raimi and Michael Waldron joined the production. So Michael Waldron was head writer of season one of Loki. Wow. And he's, so he's well-versed in the multiverse, right? And he, is, he was heavily interviewed in, in the Assembled doc on Disney+, Plus, where he reveals that Raimi is one of his heroes and, and one of the reasons why he got into films. So he said, it, he said this about, about the whole process of working on a Marvel film. He said, it's a, it's a maddening job, which can make you go insane to figure all this stuff out, but it's a lot of fun. Okay, Kudos, first of all, to anyone working on any Marvel movie because it's got to be a total nightmare to try to weave all these storylines together. So we got people like Michael Waldron trying their best to do it. So with that in mind, bear with me once more. February 2020, Marvel wants to go in a different direction. Michael comes in to write it. He said on the doc that he had three weeks to write the first draft. And in that last week... Was it fucking Halloween four? Now wait, now wait. And then in the last week of those three weeks <laughs> is when COVID hit. So the production moved from May to November, 2020. So it was like, okay, now we have time. So he threw out the first draft entirely, wrote a completely new one for Raimi and that the draft would see Wanda as the villain. Now Elizabeth Olsen states in the doc that she was shocked as no one told her this was their plan for Wanda's character. She was approached about this towards the end of shooting WandaVision. So what happened was Waldron came in. Let me tell you off one more time, Mac. Yeah. I actually like this way of doing it. You steamroll through and I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, no. This makes total sense when you think about the arc of that character on WandaVision. Yes. And the natural conclusion that that character landed in. And then what happened in this movie. That it was an mm-hmm. afterthought. Anyway, yeah. continue. So what happened was you had, you had Mike Waldron who's clearly a big fan of Marvel and knows these characters. Right. And he's sitting here thinking we've got Wanda who's the Scarlet witch, who's essentially one of the most powerful beings and could be this great villain. And he was thinking that eventually Marvel would go this route and do that. And then he felt like, well, why squander the opportunity to do it myself when we have Wanda being in this film and we're trying to do this horror element. So he, this is why his reasoning for bringing in this, idea which i see where he's going for uh, i see what he was trying to do and i think that in in some ways it works in some ways it doesn't like justin said i i i'm i have a little bit of a different viewpoint on on wandavision but i agree with it ends really kind of muddy muddy right like like there's a good turn but then is it because there's a post-credit sequence which obviously is more leaning itself towards this film and then there's a huge break between wandavision and this film so it's kind of weird to dredge it up again in this film Okay, so let me let me see here. She she was approached about this at the end of the shooting. And he yeah, he didn't want to squander it. Okay. 
Also, another little tidbit. Turns out that Kevin Feige was a very junior part. It's absolute. Uh, well, we could have, I don't know how to say uh, Is it Feige? Feige F- oh, it's F- Kevin Feige. Feige. I think it's Feige. Feige, Feige. Okay. Turns out that Kevin Feige was a very junior part of the creative team on the Spider-Man films. So oh. a little kismet there. So they were all kind of like working together again in some weird way. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Now, I found this another interesting tidbit from a Gizmodo interview with Sam Raimi. Now, keep in mind, this film was supposed to come out before... Spider-Man No Way Home. Hmm? And he, it said that Raimi rather openly admitted that he initially had no clue what the heck was going on with Wanda Maximoff over in Westview as he and Mike, screenwriter Michael Waldron were halfway or three-fourths into the writing process when he first even heard of the show. He only saw key moments of some episodes that were told would directly impact their storyline. Now, okay, that sounds wild, but you have a director coming in to the 28th Marvel film and you're expecting them to know everything about every character and have watched everything and no, watched all no, the No, no, I would expect now, them to I, have I, least I watched the series that was on five months earlier that in which your villain is literally the main character of. I would expect that at least. Right, well... I'm not saying you, you got to go back and watch you know, Thor Dark Ramey's World. a busy guy. Maybe he did go back eventually and watch the whole thing or something, but it's it's this is how these things work, right? Like, this is just... It's just... It's crazy. All right, so we move into the production, right? Originally set to shoot in Cleveland, and they ended up shooting in London's Long Cross Studios. I guess that I don't know if that's where they shot some of uh, WandaVision or 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 the some of the original. I I don't know. Yeah, but they ended up shooting the majority of it in London's Long Cross Studios. Like that entire New York sequence, I believe, is is shot there on a set. Are you telling me? Are you telling me? Because this is during that COVID. They did now. not film this in New why. York. This, no, because this is a COVID. They couldn't fly people over across states, you know, across across countries. Mac, you're being obnoxious. They never film in New York. Uh, I know, I know. but I'm just else. saying is like this is it's a weird situation, right? Yeah. They also shot in Los Angeles, Richmond Park, the British Museum, and Vancouver, right? So they were able to get around a little bit uh, over the course of you know multiple years. Obviously, they began shooting the film without a complete script. Ugh. I mean, so, so look, it's always difficult to be effective as a director when you don't know where the picture is going to end. And Sam Raimi says something specifically to that. But then there was like the NDA clause and his agent was like, don't say anything else. Mm, I'm sure. So from that same Gizmodo interview, Raimi said he differed to Olsen, uh, or, sorry, deferred to Olsen for how her character would react in certain sequences because of his unfamiliarity with the WandaVision show. Now, I'm not sure how novel it is to defer to an actor to pull upon the history of the character in a film. You know, I mean, this is her character, essentially. So I, I get that to some extent. But uh, I've never heard of this in my life. But I the don't article, think I'm being over the top here. Am I being over the top? Uh, I mean, a, a director so. that has no grasp on the character in the movie he's co-written and, or is not maybe co-written, but is, is directing and helming. This sounds to me like it's a gun for hire. Well, and this is where I'm like... Why? Like, what were you thinking? I mean, I, I guess with Raimi, I'm still so... I mean, we kind of digressed a lot on this with uh, Drag Me to Hell. I say kind of. We spent 45 minutes, I feel, on this section of it. But I have to wonder, like, what was he thinking in this? Like, I, And I don't really understand where his mind is at as a filmmaker anymore. Because as we discussed in that episode for Drag Me to Hell, we kind of pondered, like, what led him to think Oz the Great and the Powerful was a good idea? And then I'm also wondering, like... 
what led him to think this is a good idea given everything he as you mentioned before mac everything he went through with spider-man 3 which was a fucking nightmare of a production it, it just is he a sadomasochist or something like that i, I just don't understand what the hell's this deal like it doesn't make any sense like oh hey i haven't this is my chance to have i i look at like Filmmakers are very similar to like bands and music sometimes. It's like if you have a shitty album, you wait it out, you kind of give yourself some space, you do the the greatest hits around, you allow for the reappraisal to come around for some of your earlier works, and then you hit them hard with a sort of, I don't know, it could be a back-to-basics thing, or if you have a fucking novel idea and you slam dunk it, you go and do it well. And I feel like that was where Raimi was placed, and I feel like he just decided to okay, I can make a shitload of money, which don't get me wrong, he's going to make a shitload of money here. This is the third grossing eyes movie. And it's like, so did he want to do that just so he could kind of open the door for his next thing? It just seems so strange, no pun intended, that he'd go and do this. I I don't know. No, I agree with you, Mike, but I I think Oz is great and powerful. I think part of that is maybe money motivated, but also like, you know... Here's here's someone coming from a generation that grew up with Wizard of Oz, right? So it's like, well, it's like my chance to like do this, like that. That's fun. I can see that project being interesting, even if it's a prequel or whatever. This, I don't know. Maybe it is the he wanted to see if he still had it. Maybe it's that he's got this production company and wants all this money because now he can like work on a new project or whatever it is he wants to do next. I don't know, but he said yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, you learn from your lessons, and there are twofold lessons here. One, an overstuffed, rushed production like Spider-Man 3 you're walking into. Two, the same thing with Oz the Great and Powerful. He jumped on that one. That was a project that he well, got leapt into last minute. Mm-hmm. And he says on here, he's like, oh, you know, there, there was a one quote I read somewhere where he was talking about how, like, he, he liked the idea of going into production right away. And it's like, why? You did that with Oz the Great and Powerful and it didn't work out. So why are you doing it again? It just, I don't get it. I don't well, get it. Well, I think it. another thing with this movie is he's not precious about the material necessarily. So I don't know if he has so much invested. So he's, it, it is kind of like a gun for hire in that sense. Like, okay, I can do this. But I'm not going to be mad if the studio interferes necessarily to some extent. Oh, I probably love it. Apparently, you know, apparently like, as they continued the filming process and everything, they did start leaning more into the horror elements because that's his comfortability yeah. and that's what he's good at, right? So, anyways, back back to this crazy timeline. I, I do of wonder. I wonder. I yeah, wonder if yeah. his decision ma- decision making is on the same pace as his camera work. You know, where it's like you know, <laughs> it's like, like frenetic and like all the places. Yeah. angles soaring at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh. Well, look, I, I attempted to read and cobble together the the, the production <laughs> schedule. And honestly, it's just going to confuse everyone. <laughs> okay, I got a headache reading it. But it, so in short. COVID paused the production on the film multiple times. Script was not finished. Raimi would, would encourage improvisation with scenes changing right before shooting the scenes because that's how he rolls. The thing starts shooting November 2020 and ends and ends roughly around the end of 2021 with reshoots and additional scenes shooting through March 2022. Oh my god! Is that the pizza scene where they're like, you know, the, the incredibly um, rushed pizza scene where they oh, have them all in the, sat in the middle? Papa Pizza and no, no, oh, I'm talking oh, about when the they, opening, they explain the pizza parlor in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, where they're like, you know, oh, they have boy. to kind of pretty much staple together the. 
the fact that Spider-Man exists and, you know, it's all over the shoulder shots that has no finesse whatsoever. Yeah, that's, it seemed, I, I on second that. watch, on second watch, I noticed that seemed like a punch-in scene. Well, hold everything. But, Didn't this movie come out in March 2022? No, no May. May. May 2022. Oh, okay. Yeah. Only two months later. I, though, even, so, I have know. even more, like, nuts tidbits in a minute. Uh, so... But we can't get the Evil so, Dead Rise so here's movie an, out so you know, in time. For <laughs> folks, uh, I mentioned this before, but Doctor Strange, was spo- this movie was supposed to come out it was initially <laughs> slated to release May 7, 2021. But due to the pandemic, it was pushed back to November. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home all of a sudden becomes the film that's going to come out before this. And, and no that was Way Sony Home, fucking them over, right? Yeah. Like Sony was the one yeah, we got to Sony do was this. like, nah, we're putting this out. So the problem with that, too, is that anything that they had written or worked on was ultimately got jolted and jiggled and worked around because this was supposed to introduce the multiverse, not No Way Home. So when he's being introduced to the multiverse in this movie and seemingly he has some knowledge about it, but sometimes it seems like he doesn't, but it's like, but he has so much knowledge about it in No Way Home, which comes out before this movie. It, it, it's weird. It's because all this stuff was shuffled around so much. Well, and, that makes sense, Matt, because, and yeah. let me say, once again, I liked No Way Home, seven out of 10, good time, fun time at the movies, but the, what, what Doctor Strange does in that movie, and you, and you know me, I'm a huge Doctor Strange scholar. Um, <laughs> but I will say that it does not check out that with him knowing all the responsibility that he has, especially going back to those Avengers movies, that he would do this spell to help some high school kid and, and have people... What was the thing? Like, to have people not... Realize not he's Spider-Man. He anymore, I just yeah. didn't buy that that would be the impetus for him to do that and, and to cause all this nightmare in the, in the universes or whatever yeah. it is. I, just, I didn't buy it. And obviously that was because multiverse got pushed until after No Way Home. So, or Far From, whatever the fuck it's called, Far From Home, No Way Home. Whatever <laughs> well, the reason why I, I bought it is because, uh, you know, I guess he kind of waves his hands and he does anything else in the first one. So I was like, all right, well, I guess he could do <laughs> yeah, that. True. Like, what's the difference between him splitting time to going from one location to another to a fucking multiverse? Like, and also there's like a guy, like a bison head guy that's like hanging around in the distance. I was saying to Sammy the other, like last I was night like, watching it. Sorry. I, I was and, dying. Cause in the closing credits, I guess they, they were like showing up to people and like yeah. you played them and they show the bison head guy. It's just like the name of the actor. <laughs> I was well, dying laughing. He, he doesn't even do anything. He doesn't well, even the, thing, do anything. the thing that's so funny about Raimi involved in all this is that I mean there's been a lot of footage that have been coming out of like behind the scenes from 2002 Spider-Man and everyone pretty much agrees with the fact that like yeah we should have gone with the more fantastical Green Goblin portrayal where you could see Defoe and he has a little more agree. animated mask and instead they went with the more Power Rangers thing and the reason why they did that is because they wanted to keep it grounded because they didn't think anyone was going to believe it and I, and I was like how far have we come in 20 years where like that was the big to do and now we're have like a guy that's like a fucking bison just standing there in the background. I mean, it's just like, it's fucking crazy. Like it it's is just, nuts. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, I don't, yeah. If he talks about the multiverse in the last movie, I mean that I'm coming in as a casual fan at this point. So I'm not like, I, I didn't even really notice so much, but I did think it's funny that like, you know, there is this to do about the multiverse and this, and it's called the multiverse of madness coming after this juggernaut movie. So it's like, yeah, so I guess Sony really did fuck them over. In that I know. Sense. Yeah. yeah, they did. They did. Uh, yeah, yeah, hold on um, tight. Sony, you know, as we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Sony only puts out good stuff. I love so, their products. I love their, I, I'm, a, I'm a Sony yeah. family, but, um, maybe, you know. maybe Morbius shows up crossover. Oh, that'd be cool. God, there's another it's on Netflix right now. Just, yeah, yeah. I just saw uh, the, it was on the main screen. Yeah. So, 
finally, and, and let's shout something out if you think I missed something, but it's just, there's <laughs> a lot. But uh, the film's released. <laughs> oh, we saw uh, it. There's a, there's a, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two things here, which I'm sure you all care less about. But the poster, fun. Simply the glass window, strange house, how it's called, you know, being shattered and, and glass pieces are characters on it. There's two taglines for the movie. Tell me which one you actually really like. Enter a new dimension of strange. And the possibilities are madness. Oh, I like that last one. I like one. that one. I like yeah. I said I like that I'm one. I'm still too, waiting actually. for the madness to kick really in, do. but um, we'll uh, talk about that later on too. Finally. Film comes out May 2022 with a budget of $200 million and does end up grossing worldwide about $955 million, right? So there's still people that... you re- said? Yeah, nine, $955. Shy of a billion, so they hate it now. Yeah, really not. No. It so only made 450% back of the The black days. sheep of the Disney family at this point. So, if it doesn't make the billion dollars for them. Uh, yeah, but like Justin said earlier... People are still seeing these movies. They're going, they're paying for it, they're paying for it. So they're not going to change anything unless these movies just stop dead in their tracks, you know? So it is what it is. Sam, Michael, so sorry you had to work on this nightmare of a film. Because I really, truly feel like when you watch the doc, like Michael Waldron's got, he's got an oomph about him and he's really, really, really gung-ho and really excited about working on these projects. He's a younger guy. Awesome. Because... I think we're all tired. <laughs> we don't of us want to take over or take control of any of these things. But yeah, it, and we're obviously going to get into the meat of the movie as we continue to talk about it. But first, I want to hit on something a little bit more horror centric and talk about all of the evil deadisms and evil dead Easter mm. eggs in the film. Uh, this is Halloween. This is a horror podcast, a horror franchise podcast. So I want to get into that. And, uh, and then also does this work and it does this come across as a Sam Raimi movie at the end of the day, or is it more of a Marvel, uh, masterpiece? So I think obviously they stay played to more of Sam's strengths during the production as it went on. There's even a section in the documentary where they talk about the back and forth of evil dead in terms of like oh, the, thing, the things that he pulled, uh, the things that are kind of allusions to and stuff like that. Well, Bruce Campbell um, hosts the documentary. He does. He does. He hosts. He hosts all the intro segments to the doc. So, oh, does he fun. really? Oh, that's yeah. Cool. It's fun. It's fun. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. You should give too. him a better, you know, cameo here. But yeah, that's neat. Yeah, well, I'll get into that too when we when we touch on Pizza Papa himself. Why well, wasn't that our nickname? Any of our nicknames at the beginning of the episode? Pizza Justin. Because it's Michael, singular. You got to leave. Got to let him. Ha- got to let him have it. Right. I have some thoughts on Pizza Papa. All right, so, but yeah. so wait. So wait. What before we get into Papa yeah. Pizza or Pizza Papa? <laughs> What what were some of the things that you you felt were Sam Raimi things you picked up on when we were watching it? Oh, okay. I, right. I, I, for for me, the first instance is the possession in the kitchen. It it seems like something straight out of Drag Me mm-hmm. to Hell. Just the way that the wind blows, the way there's a lot of really really cool surreal motifs that just feel so old school Raimi. Like even when she's like looking at the cup and has the ocean in it, yeah, and yeah. just like the the way that the way that the angles are situated. It just that whole sequence with Wanda in the kitchen, I I just felt like you could have seamlessly like spliced that into like some of the sequences and drag me to hell and it would have worked. And I say mm-hmm. drag me to hell and not so much Evil Dead because I think he had a little bit more of modern flourishes to work with. Like it, it's kind of wild to think, uh, at the exception of the pilot for Ash vs Evil Dead, we've still never really seen 
an evil dead or Sam Raimi directed evil dead movie in like a post CGI world in a way, you know, yeah. I mean I, like, and so like seeing these kind of motifs and drag me to hell in here, that's where I see the bridge in that respect. So that was the first scene that came to me. Yeah. Sure. Um, I've got, I guess we round robin it. Um, I've got, I mean, honestly just in terms of filmmaking, there's a lot of those kind of soaring POV shots that kind of come in at an angle. Yes. Yeah. It's very, very, very Sam Raimi. And evil I feel dead-ish. like, the first time you really see a lot of that is like the assault on Kamataj, right? Like you see like like the doors closing mm-hmm. when Wanda's yeah. attacking them in the inside the 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 facility. For me it was uh and, and my girlfriend noticed this too, is the reflection yep. sequence, the pool reflection mm-hmm. yep. and that's obviously a throwback to Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. You've got all those great close ups, the quick close ups, like you just Justin when they turn the camera, right? Oh, I got the Tommy and Billy argue about the tigers. Detroit. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. interesting. I didn't that's even. That's a, yeah, that's a deep fucking that. pull. Yeah, that's a deep pull. Hey, look, I really, I rewatched the hell out of this thing. I was rewatching yeah, it, really taking did. a lot of notes. She did. The dreamwalking situation when Wanda attempts to possess herself of them. Oh, Mike, you you mentioned that essentially. Yeah, like the takeover. Um, where the, just like the seeing her in the mirror and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the entire third act with Zombie Strange in the book, like it's. That's where it's like, okay, we're going whole hog with with Raimi, um, Raimiisms. I mean, it feels like Army of Darkness oh, at that point. Oh, totally, you know? totally. Like, it, especially that point. zoom in. But yeah, the, the but problem like, is with with Army of Darkness, I, I'm so invested in having a fun time. But with this, it just feels like I think the finale is an absolute nightmare, and I don't mean that in a fun way. I think it's really bad, and I, that's the only time where I actually. Was kind of like peaking up again, you know, because, you know, we watched it the first time at the music box. You have a whole huge sold out crowd. Everyone's losing their minds. So throughout the whole thing, I'm obviously keyed in. But watching it again, when he does kind of become the zombie strange and it zooms in with the demons and you see all this stuff. I like I like the demons as a cape. That kind of cool. Yes, thing. I love that. Well, the point of view, the, the shot of zooming into the eye felt very old school, like um, dark man, Sam Raimi. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? I didn't think about you know? that. Yeah. But also, like, so in the in the 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 assembled documentary where Bruce Campbell is introducing everything, his introduction is really fun because it says he's essentially int- explains who Doctor Strange is, right? And he says essentially, it's it's a man whose hands have betrayed him, and he says he nods at the camera. Mm-hmm. I can relate if you can dig. Then further <laughs> gives the parallel that Strange is tracking down this mystical book of darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to save the world from an evil witch. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's really funny because there is the parallel there. You know, it is like, you can see that as, as you know, general as it is, it is, it is not foreign territory for Raimi. And I think that's why some of those moments do kind of end up working. Those, those, the horror elements do work for me in this a little bit. Mac, you said, you, you said the key word, which I've got here in my notes is that there are some fun moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's surrounded by like two hours of gobbledygook. Yeah. Of exposition not and bad effects and it, bad it, storytelling and redundant storytelling and Easter eggs. And, you know, it, everything you said about the history of this movie makes total sense because a lot of stuff I didn't know, Mac. I did not know. And, and, and it makes sense because it, it's, it's a mess. It makes sense. The history of the movie and the way that you said that Waldron had like kicked aside the script and rewrote it with Raimi in mind absolutely makes sense with the book being this MacGuffin. And yeah. you know, it's like, it's, it totally makes sense that knowing like, okay, we have the eye, I have the eye in mind for this movie. I'm a huge fan of his work. I'm just going to lean in on the evil dead tropes. And like in that respect, like the actual core conceit of this movie, when you actually get into like the book and everything else, and which really only kind of 
pops up or surfaces or bubbles really in the third final act with the exception of like the stuff that happens in the temple. Like I, I, it, it does feel just like, all right, evil dead, let's just shoehorn in <laughs> the book thing well, in and, here. And, 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 and that's interesting too, because if, if Derrickson who really wanted to go total horror with this, had originally been attached, would the movie have been about the book or anything? Like I don't the think so. zombie ask, like that whole, all that no. stuff that comes in at the end. Like, would it have just been a lot of more of that? Who knows? I don't think so. I think um, he's no. his. I think his would have been more sinister esque, where it would have just been like dark. It would have yeah. looked dark and scary. Dark. It would have looked dark and scary as opposed mm-hmm. to like even like it gets black and gray in this, but it's like the lightest shade of black and the lightest shade of gray. Like, there's no mm-hmm. atmosphere in my opinion in this in mm-hmm. most of this movie. Well, Avoid. before before we move on, I wanted to mention a few Loved other it. Easter eggs that <laughs> that I picked up on in this. We've got, and we the, we we buried the lead. The Delta, no, the Delta, Delta that was fun. Floating I like seeing the Delta in floating. the street, yeah, uh, did not see the Delta. In the street. The oh, Delta, yeah. so it's like it's the scene when they go back to the the universe has crashed down itself. You see all those cars floating. When they're walking by, you do see the Delta floating. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That's a cool. Delta like is spinning like in the air. Uh, and then also from the documentary that I watched, they point out, they actually really point out, because I did not pick up with this at all, but the kids in the Wanda alternate universe, the kids are playing with all these toys. One of the toys is a monster truck version of the Delta. Oh, that's oh. cool. Yeah, it's very, very. It's like right. It's like in the background as she's like walking. You can see it on the ground, but it's just like another like little throw in there, which I thought was really fun. Uh, another little. It's maybe not so much a Ramiism, but it's certainly an ode. I just think most of the horror filmmakers of this era are just indebted to it. And let the the whole Wanda chasing. It seems like it's indebted to The Shining, um, and the way that mm. she's running and the way she's stumbling through, and in that capacity, like I, I, I don't know. For as a horror element, it worked for me. I think that yeah, was pretty I like good that too. Moment. Yeah, I, I do like With that like moment. With like the slow motion rate, like the the dropping of the water and, and whatnot. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Well, yeah. So, something I wish they had leaned into more horror wise is is like at that moment when she is dreamwalked and is using the dark hold. I felt like from then on she should have be, started becoming less and less and less Wanda and yeah. more like this monster, right? Totally. That's just becoming darkness, but they don't do it. And, and that, that's why that moment really works for me. But then I wanted them to lean into that more. Like next time we saw her, like maybe she hasn't made herself look good again. Maybe she's still becoming more, she's becoming, because the, the, the costume design for Wanda, right? Like her whole entire costume is, is deteriorating. So I didn't notice this when I watched it, but when I watching the behind the scenes, all this thought went into this stuff, right? Like her costume from WandaVision to now, like the dark hold is literally eating away at everything. Like, like, like the, her, her crown is like pitted and like dissolving and her costumes dissolving and all these things. And I wish they had leaned into that more and more and more. So that by the end of the movie, when you had zombie strange, he was literally fighting like this, like weird zombie, zombie like destroyed version of the Scarlet Witch. Right. And like, and you just don't quite get there. But okay, before, there's still more Easter eggs. Okay, the traveling through the multiverse is vi- like when they do the long shot of the 15 mm-hmm. multiverse worlds, and the way yeah. that they use the score and the sound effects is very much like when Ash goes through the vortex mm. and he's like swooping through, and you hear like the classical music, and then you don't, and then you hear like the explosions, mm-hmm. and it's very, very much like that, which I really okay. Uh, can we can we stop right there on this note? Yes. Okay, I clocked it from f- the best part of the movie. And the most inventive, innovative part of the movie for me 
is the 37 minute, 21 second mark to the 38 minute, one second mark when they're traveling through all those multiverses. Easily the best part. We see all these incredible opportunities, like, like where everybody just looks like kind of like floating paint, mm-hmm. three dimensional block out underwater. Disney has billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. They're, they're pumping in million, hundreds of millions of dollars in this project. And what we're left with yep. is New York with more foliage yep. and red and green stoplights that work in reverse. That's it. That is, <laughs> yeah. that is inexcusable. I know. It's, it's so it, lazy yeah. and cheap. Yeah, yeah, Sammy was saying the same thing. It's it's Ugh. it absolutely like if you're going to go there, go there, and yeah. you don't. Yes, I, I, I was telling Justin this. When we talked about this the other day. If they had stopped in the world that was like animated for yes. like thirty minutes, yes. like, like how fun and creative would that? Also, have been? during the pandemic, you, you could have easily shot that. Like absolutely, fucking twenty minutes. So, Ugh. and then and then you know what you know what you do because you've already done this what if series. You end up in the animated world, and then you do all the the Illuminati and all that stuff. Because yeah. then it's a tie into that show, and it's fun, and it's like, oh, we've seen this, and, and it's for the fans. But you don't have to know because it's just another multiverse, right? Well, we haven't even talked they about should have that done, shoot in. Oh, 12 we, minute we will, we will. But my last, Ugh. my last Evil Deadism before we move on is the creepy ice cream song that the <laughs> the kids sing. This, to this Wanda. felt to me. Let's just, let me be honest with you. This felt to me that sequence. As though <laughs> David Bowie's alien character from The Man Who Fell to Earth landed on Earth and walked around for a couple of weeks and seeing how humans interact and then said, this is how these children would interact to get their mother's attention. <laughs> yes. Sammy, so Sammy had signaled this for me because she's like, oh, God, I can't wait till the fucking cringe ice cream song. I'm like, what are you talking about? And oh I was like, and, she, and then she, it, it comes around the corner and I was like, Oh my God. Like this is supposed to be like saccharine or sentimental. It's just like, it just absolutely flops. I, I can't absolutely. believe I accidentally deleted the lyrics. Mac, do you have the lyrics? I, I can't I, believe I deleted the lyrics. I don't look oh, them up it. and we, we can read them out. But the thing is, is <sighs> with this song is I, I totally forgot about it as well. And when we were watching it, <laughs> we just looked at each other like, well, it's the lead up. It's like, the whole, mom, mom, come here, mom, mom, come here, mom. We want to show you something. You're going to love yeah. it. Mom. If they had just cut oh, to them and they're already like weird. in the middle of the song and they're just trying to get her attention about ice cream, maybe it works. Aren't, yeah, aren't you like an emotional beat, you know? Aren't you kind of like a bit surprised that like Wanda still wanted that life though after the, the ice cream song? You oh, know, I would have been like, like, get these kids <laughs> out of here. Oh, I got it. I got it. I found it. I've, I've, un, I've, undo, I've undid my deletions, my notes. Okay, okay. Um, hold on. Here it is, everybody. The moment you've been waiting for. We, they sing it together. We like ice cream like every child should. And if we get some ice cream, we promise to be good. What? That's you were like, mom, you gotta come back, mom, mom. You want to go well, first? Also, go first like like Mike what, said though, if human. those kids, if those kids sang that to me, I would have looked at the scout, which has said, "You can take them." Yeah, take them. <laughs> I'm like, I made a huge. That's when I would have had my my thirteenth Wanda Redemption storyline, and said, oh, "I made a huge mistake, and um, I've got to, I gotta get out of here." Yeah. All right. Well, oh, speaking no. about getting out of here, let's move into our next category, which is another Evil Dead connection, and that is why does she keep making those horrible noises? I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me here, are you? Are you ass? <laughs> okay, we've got Danny Elfman doing the score. Of course, 
worked with Raimi before the Army Darkness theme, Darkman, Oz Great and Powerful, Spider-Man 1 and 2, which I was surprised that he did not do 3, but it was actually no. Christopher Young yeah. who did 3, another, wow. who's great in horror Hellraiser. as well. We got Hellraiser. Yeah. We got all this stuff, all the good stuff. Sinister. Uh, and he also did A Simple Plan. Now, in a, in a piece in Variety, I read, he, he said, um, Raimi and Elfman were talking to each other. He said, uh, or to the reporter, Raimi said, he kept working forever on the movie. Uh, we kept making changes and he would rewrite, rewrite. And even when, even when I was in the mix after he was all done with the movie, he was off doing some concerto in Europe. And I said, Ramy, Danny, I need you to do another piece. One more, the hardest piece of the movie. And he did, he did so great with that. And then Elfman added, we had to, we had to record it within 48 hours of the phone call. It had to be written and recorded, and we did it. That was yeah, the last sure. real thing. He said that was the last real thing we worked on, and that was only three weeks ago. And that was like <laughs> leading up to the movie, essentially. So even the score was still being worked on very late in the game. That's, you know, Disney, uh, which just, is they, normal, magic. I guess, to an extent. Mm-hmm. But Making magic no matter the cost. I, I can't say, name, I can't hum you one, I, okay. one note from this movie. Mike, what were you going to say? I like a few things. I, I, th- there's one thing I do like. It's the jarring piano thing. It's like, gang. Yes. Like anytime Every the, time the, Wanda shows up, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think the hero tones that play over uh, American Chavez at the end feel like they're kind of cold from the ending of Army of Darkness. There's a lot of like um, mm. Renaissance-esque uh, sort of flair to it. But flourishes aside, as always with Marvel... Pretty fucking forgettable score. And um, I think that's on par with the franchise. Like, I don't even like Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme. I just think it's it's just so, like, this is the guy who created Back to the Future, and I've seen every Avengers movie, and I still can't hum the the, the tune without getting kind of crossed into Michael Kamen's X-Men score. Like, I, I it just... <laughs> It's all I'm literally like, thinking that right now, actually. Yeah, like, and that's I was the like thing. Trying it's to like, sing it, and I was like, "No, that's the X-Men no, it's X Men." Dun, 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 dun. Is that Michael Kamen's last dun, score dun, dun, too? Was the uh, X Men movie? Hey, great franchise true. compared Oof. to this, but I, I, I think the it is weird to think that, like, you know, you go back to um, God damn it, what's the Spider Man movie that came? Uh, no way, No Way Home. No Way Home. You go to that, and then when they show. Um, Toby Maguire pop in and they play a little bit of the the Elfman flourishes from that movie. It does make you realize, like, oh yeah, I remember there was a music. time when we'd have signature fucking themes. That's music, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Mike, I even miss- in this movie, when when Professor X is rolling up, you hear the X Men cartoon theme. Oh yeah, that makes sense though too, because it's um, but again, it's the Professor X that's from the other movies. My head is going to explode. Oh my god! <laughs> now, now it's not. It's, it, it's a Professor X from uh, from uh, uh, what was it? World six four eight, eight or something. Three or some shit. And yeah. and he or has eight, the six, yellow eight. wheelchair, so it's not. It's same, it's still Patrick Stewart, but it's a different Professor All X right. from, yeah, from even that. Explode. I can't do okay. this anymore. So, my head hurts. Hold, hold on, hold on. So here, take two of these. I gotta say, <laughs> I, the score is serviceable. Whatever, that's fine. You know, Elfman's done billion things. Uh, at this point, he can. He could just phone it in the rest of his life, and I'd still be. You've still got like fifteen great scores, twenty great scores. However, there's the dreamwalking theme when they're talking. I think um, Mordo is talking to. That ridiculous yep. <laughs> Mordo is talking to Strange and America Chavez about so about dreamwalking. Yeah. And there's a yeah. there's a music that plays there over a montage of like what basically Wanda's going to do to to dreamwalk. 
it's a banger. It's a banger. It's kind of like it's actually really good. It's actually really good. So I would say if you could find that dreamwalking theme, uh, that's the my one pull from this for Elfman's Doctor Strange score. Oh no, I got the best piece of music, and I mean this sincerely. Is I did think, and this is definitely Rami shining through and kind of clawing his way into this movie and succeeding. Is that battle between Strange and his evil self with the warring physical music notes? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, well, I want to talk really about that, like that definitely when we get to the, the to special effects okay, because yeah. that. Gotcha. Yeah, there's there's there are some things that actually work in this movie. Special effects wise, if you can believe that. Uh, all right. Oh wait, well, along. my one thing I've got oh, to yeah. say though, because I've been negative on this score, but my a huge blind spot of mine in the '80s was Oingo Boingo which was his band. He was oh, a very yeah. big cult band from like the late 70s, early 80s, or through the 80s and early 90s. Huge blind spot. Because I, all I thought of was the fucking weird science theme song with Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Huge mistake. They have some fucking amazing songs. They do. And I, yeah. and I stumbled upon them. They've got an incredible 1995 Farewell album that took place in Halloween. I think they filmed it in live at like the Universal Amphitheater in, in, in L.A., Mm-hmm. They've got some amazing songs. He was an incredible songwriter. He still is an incredible songwriter. Incredible voice. Great melodies. Great ballads. Great like rock songs. Anyway, shout out to him. He's actually come back to the rock scene. He did the he did an album oh, that's yeah. got some songs yeah. co-produced by Trent Reznor. And anyway, huge blind spot. It's kind of like saying, but he's still if all you know from REM is shiny happy people. I assure you, there's more. That's that's just where I stand yeah. on Danny Elfman now. I feel like I, I missed out. He just he just headlined Lola, or not Lola, Coachella when he yeah. did his own signature stuff. I mean that that's pretty fucking cool. And and he's still killing it as a composer. I mean, in terms yeah. of veteran composers, when you think about him, it's like I can name so many of them that just have just fallen wayside. But like, I mean, Silver Linings Playbook. I would. I mean, that's in like my top five oh, favorite he did the scores score of him. That? Yeah, and it's a great fucking that. score. And yeah. it's like a really you know emotional score. It kind of ties back to the one he did for Goodwill Hunting. Where it's, it's a little more human. That's an underrated score. That's that's a great score. It's a great fucking score. And I do think yeah. it would have been funny if they just if Sam Raimi because they were down to time was just like uh, let's just do the simple the simple plan score um, over uh, Doctor uh, Sleep and just like laced it in with just like uh, you got some supplemental material. And I was thinking of like four movies that like that could work. Simple plan for like mm. the slow stuff. You know when it gets really kind of crazy. Same year. Bring uh, Elfman's a civil action score uh, oh, for the scene. Civil John Travolta. Yeah, when 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 a strange is up for for uh, in, in the jury with uh, you know the other Illuminati guys, and then when you're talking about the the WandaVision sequences, go back to 2000 with the fa- the Family Man score for Brett Ratner's Family Man. You could bring in some of those tones. <laughs> Saw that movie opening weekend. Yeah, and then you know I don't know if they were going to plan this originally, but like if they did. If uh, you know Hulk comes in, takes a break, bring in the his score for Ang Lee's Hulk. One of my favorite movies. You could kind of pop in there a little bit, but the big one for me, we're talking about scary stuff here, right? Where this is a scary movie. Mm-hmm. We need to bring in his score from, I believe it's 2010, yeah, 2010. The Wolfman. Wolfman Mac, you've got to mm. appreciate this. He did Joe Johnson's The Wolfman. Everyone forgets about that movie. But, uh, you know, uh, it was re- initially rejected by the studio. So he could have brought it back in, and it would have been a new score. And it would be like I, like I like to bury that score in that movie where 383 Wanda is buried under that, <laughs> those rocks in that white 
space, wherever the hell it is. Well, three eight three eight six eight. I can't remember who's who anymore. Eight three eight. I think it's the alternate people, right? True. We just my favorite empanada. My, my, my favorite empanada restaurant, Chicago. Eight three eight. Love it. Eight three eight. These fifty four one one. Good God! All right, look, we look. We just we joke. And numbers. But we do love Danny Elfman. <laughs> oh uh, For the most part. <laughs> look, I mean, not every when you when you do like what? How many scores you done at this point? Like fifty. Oh, scores I know. Probably it's, at this it's, point? it's 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 a you ton. Know? It's a ton. We do so much, and also the fact that it's in a movie that's not very great doesn't help out the mood. So, mm-hmm. Danny Elfman, we tip our hats to you. Out of the King, baby. Sure, I could have stayed in the past. Could have even been king. But in my own way, I am king. So not only does Hell of the King Baby refer to Danny Elfman, who we do love <laughs> and is the king of scores, uh, it also refers to Pizza Papa. Oh, God. That's right. Bruce Campbell has a cameo in the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness film as Pizza Papa, who has a run-in with Strange on the streets of the incredibly creative New York with the backwards <laughs> red and Did green Did you notice this, Mac? When you're looking signs. at that crazy New York, if you notice this, there is like, uh, like, there's like ivy on the buildings and stuff. There's more that foliage. Ma- and was total and madness. Memory, there total are mem- madness there are this world. memory <laughs> stores. Memory stores. Oh, yeah, they've got that one memory store hologram, too. It's wild. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So, having said that, does uh, Pizza Papa work in this film? Do we like the Bruce Campbell cameo uh, next to his cameos in the Spider-Man films, those Marvel films? Mike, I, Mike, I know you, I'll, I'll let you. I'll give you the floor because I know you're you're really out on this sequence. I am. I, I, I just got depressed watching this. It was just like, you know, it just felt so um, half-assed. You know, like with the the, the cameos in Spider-Man, they're so good. And by the time they get to three. Say what you will about that movie, but his cameo is fucking great. Like when he's the waiter in there and he has to kind of keep bringing people back and forth. It was fucking wonderful. And I mean, he's the announcer in the first one. The second one, he's the maitre d' and has one of the funniest bits in that sequel. This just felt like, oh, we forgot to put Sam and we forgot to put uh, Bruce in this movie. There's this, there's gotta be another sequence where we got to film in this fake New York. Uh, Why don't we just have him be this like, you know, pizza slinger and he can punch himself and do all the expected slinger, you know, like, (laughs) you know, expected shit that we usually have for, it just felt so like half ass. You know what I would have done? I would have had him be like Mr. Fantastic or something. Be Dr. Strange. Be Dr. Strange in that world. That is my thing. You cut to the flashback where they have to kill Strange. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's Bruce Campbell. Yes. Played very seriously. Not for jokes. It just yeah. played seriously, and then he's gone. Didn't Raimi want to make a Doctor Strange movie with Campbell as Doctor yes. Strange? In I the think 90s, so. I think. The problem with this is, in like you were saying, Mike, in the other films, his cameos are part of the story, right? This feels like a real weird aside. Yeah. Except for the fact that we're, we're establishing in the incredibly creative and dense world... <laughs> of New York City, that is, you know, where red is green, green is red. <laughs> it's that you, that, it's that total he, even madness, here, honestly, that even here, madness. you do have to pay for pizza for food. Well, and that, that that felt like such a shoehorned in bullshit, like uh, political commentary. It's like uh, it's actually kind of surprising that your world pays for pays for food over there. And I was like, oh, oh that's God. an interesting thought. Yeah. That's like what, like shoehorned in for no reason. <laughs> It, it just like right. well, yeah. I did like. Here's Hold the on. thing about this. Let me defend it slightly. Okay, I did like having 
you know him have Bruce Campbell beat himself up again. Look, it's fun to see Bruce Campbell. That was fun. He's was never like the a, issue. You know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's never yeah. the issue. I, I, I was happy he was in it, but does it work as good as the other ones that, and that he's mm-hmm. been cameo? No, it doesn't. No. And I think that I thought the, he was it, better in like Army of Darkness, honestly. In the documentary, <laughs> in the documentary, he gets really, really tongue. They interview him during that sequence, and they talk about him having worked with him for all these years and Evil Dead and all that stuff. And they and he talks to the camera a lot, and then jokingly talks about ribbing with the editor. And the editor says jokingly that the scene at one point was on the cutting room floor, but at the last minute they added it back into the movie. Thank God. And, and I don't and I don't know how much of a joke that was. I, I think it probably was on the cutting room floor. <laughs> And then actually added back in very well. They should, here's here's my pitch. They should have done something where like a spell went wrong and everybody started hitting themselves, but you don't mm-hmm. see Bruce Campbell, okay? And he, and he stops it right away. And then you only see Bruce Campbell in the after credits bit. That would have been funny if he's like punching himself and then he stops. Like that yeah. would have been funny. But I think to have it in the movie is a bit. But I think, like you said, I, I understand. If I understand. he was, if he was Doctor Strange in the universe, or simply one of the Illuminati, right? Because yeah. you have other characters. You have, you know, like I know that the Rambo character that becomes Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, and in, 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 then in this universe, she's the current Captain Marvel mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. That you could, you have other people playing different characters. So it would have been fine. Like, or have him, hell, have him be Black Bolt. Look, I love my boy from Strange New Worlds, but you could have had Bruce Campbell be Black Bolt. Oh, you know that I mean? would have worked too. Like that would have been funny. I just, yeah, because it's, it's the one thing I do like about it is that if I think about it in the way that we've discussed all season is that Raimi just loves to torture Campbell. And if Bruce sure. Campbell's in bitis for leaving Ash this entire, this is where I would find a silver lining to this. It's, it, it's you know, Campbell's been pretty explicit and like, I can't do this anymore. My body can't take it. Yeah. And then Raimi makes him beat the shit out of himself in this two minute dumb bullshit cameo. <laughs> I kind of find humor in that. I like that. I think that's pretty funny. It's nice behind the scenes ribbing inside baseball. But yeah, it just short of that, it just felt like it was just like it's like stupid Marvel humor. Or it's just like it just it doesn't work for me. It's just like yeah. you know, it's just I think it, another way to look at it positively is let's go back to the beginning of this season. Um it's just weird to think about the fact that he and Raimi, Campbell and Raimi and like a handful of other people, like forty three years ago. We're in these woods in Michigan, freezing to death, you know, blood drying, fake blood drying on them. They have mm-hmm. no idea what they're doing. They've, I'm sure they grew up reading comic books and everything else. And I can't even imagine. And, and that, of course, the movie costs nothing to make. And then cut to 43 years later, $200 million production. Think about everything that's happened since those, those awful experiences in the woods. And yet nothing's changed because Sam Raimi's still having Bruce Campbell beat, beat himself up. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that's kind of a fun <laughs> arc to look at, I guess. is, is yeah. like, I can't believe, I can't even imagine what they're thinking when they do this stuff 43 years later, you know. Now, I was going to talk about Doctor Strange in this category as it is supposed to be about the lead of the film, essentially. But I, I, I'm pivoting him down to when we talk about the cast in general. Oh, I got to move my notes around here. Let's get into our <laughs> next category, which will listen. take all of two minutes, probably. Within the Woods. Cheryl, what's the matter with you? Did something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods themselves. They're alive, Ashley. The trees. They're alive. Ash, what a nice Now, this is our creature capture all for the film, and I can count three things in this film. Or, no, sorry, four creatures in this film. 
We've got the strange fire creature at the beginning in the dream sequence with alternate strange and Merrick Chavez. What do we think about the strange fire creature in the opening sequence of this film? Do you think it um, works? This scene immediately took me out of the movie. The opening. <laughs> the movie the takes opening. you right out of the movie. I mean, I've got some stuff for special effects, but we might as well talk about this here. We can. Okay. I, somebody posted a video the other day because I, I knew I wasn't going crazy. And they were comparing the look and the cinematography and like the lighting and everything of the, of the like, recent Marvel movies to Marvel movies from 10 years ago. And there's a marked difference. Because now when you watch these movies, especially that scene, you, I'm, I'm not kidding. You, you throw that opening scene up against anything from like Spy Kids 3D and you cannot tell the difference. There's no Ugh. attempt to make you think that they are in space or in somewhat crazy dimension. There's no like lighting matchup to make it look like there's shadows somewhere. Everything's just the same color. And I think it just lo- it looks bad. Forget about yeah. the storyline. It looks so bad. I honestly thought I was watching another trailer before the movie started. Like it was teasing something else or they were going to jump somewhere else. I, I couldn't believe that this was the opening of the new Doctor Strange movie. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. my dissertation now. Here's why they look bad. And, and I'm not speaking... I, 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 this is really not even against the special effects people because they are worn down. There was a huge piece... I think it was a Hollywood Reporter, Mike. Do you remember what this was? It was a Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. Where un, unnamed Marvel and Disney employees came mm-hmm. out and said that they are under so much pressure to knock out all these fucking movies and TV shows, and there's just not enough time. No. I think that was also in, in, in the response to the Taika Waititi making fun of the special effects in his own movie. Yeah. But, so let's make a comparison here and try to explain why this is the case. Let's compare the MCU to the Mission Impossible series, Okay. There are two to four Marvel movies, and now in addition to that, there are three to four Marvel TV shows every year that also rely heavily on special effects. The resources are spread incredibly thin. How many hours of content is that, right? Right. There is only one Mission Impossible movie every four or five years. So Disney's number one priority, sure, it could be Marvel, but you're spreading it across countless movies and TV shows, Paramount's number one priority is one 150-minute movie every few years. So that's why those movies can afford to look so good and so real and like so lived in, even if they're completely, quote-unquote, impossible. But mm-hmm. Marvel cannot do it. You talked about sustainability, Mac. The quality is imp- it's impossible to sustain it with the demands they're put under well, it. That's, and that's my huge point here is, is the, the less is more. It's, it's not an event anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not looking forward to the next movie because it's going to come out before you even know it and it's going to be gone. Yeah. And there's no ceremony with any of this stuff anymore. I think that, that, and that's, that's the, that's the problem. You have a problem when the, the second monster that I'm going to talk about is in the opening sequence is the giant octopus, one eye monster that's D eyed called Gargantos. Right. Well, remember when this was uh first tease and everyone online was just like, yeah, well, horror. Look at this. It's a monster movie. I can't believe saying this, but they did a better job of that type of a monster in that environment. In, in um, Suicide Squad. In Suicide too, Squad. Right? James Gunn's <laughs> Suicide did. Squad. They did. Yeah. Much they, better. You, know, you have this giant starfish. You have this giant octopus. It's like, very similar things. And, uh, I, and I am on the record as like not legitimately not liking 90% of those DC movies, but even that sequence alone was better than the sequence in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
It was a cool. Yeah, it was a cool thing, though. I mean, I mean, what I love about this opening is that, like, we're given <laughs> we're given this main character, like America Chavez, who we have no fucking context for whatsoever, and yet we're supposed to care. And she's given less characterization than Elliot Page in uh, in Inception. You know, like the, yeah. the I character always forget there. he's in that movie. I, I yeah, it's like because yeah. I was thinking about like seven characters before the Page character shows up. I'm like, oh yeah, that's they're they're there to have the explanation explained to them. Yes. Like, oh yeah, that's right. And but 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 America Chavez is supposed to be a main character here, and we have absolutely no idea who this character is, other than the fact that there's like stars around her. So like, I'm distracted by that, and then also the fact that we're in a wedding, and then now we're in a monster movie too. So my 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 senses are all over the place. Uh, You might say my spidey senses are tingling. I was looking at it, and the the first time this movie slows down is is the is the pizza sequence, is Mm -hmm. the pizza parlor sequence that are talking. You have like all these things happening in the first like 20, 30 minutes, and then finally it slows down, and then we're like, okay, who are you? What's going on? <laughs> it's yeah. like it's so it's so ridiculous. Like you don't you don't need it. Uh, no. It didn't need to be that way. And I had the same notes for Spider Man Far From Home. I was like, the, it's just ram like just story yeah. story action action story. It's just like jams it down your throat in the first thirty minutes. You're kind of like, what's happening here? So it's, I've been so desensitized. You know? Well, and that's where it's so hard to like actually have the the sort of gravitas that this monster is supposed to have. I mean, it's it also just makes me realize that like there are, there are no stakes. I mean, like they're throwing things around like strange is you know razoring fucking buses and like putting them off to the other sides and like wait no one dies here like i mean no one gets smashed like first off a fucking bus is thrown at like at, at the, and he and he chops it in half so like did he just what happens to the people inside no no one is inside yeah exactly, exactly yeah. that's what i mean it's just like these things happen and we're we don't really have any time or spatial awareness to feel the impact here so like the yeah the the monster's creepy or not creepy, but like weird and oogly oogly. Yeah. But like, I don't really have enough time to kind of sit there and enjoy it because it's it's just happening at such a rapid clip. We've got to move. We've got to move. Yeah. We've got to move. Yeah. yeah. And and the last or the last two monsters, essentially the monsters at the at the keep at the end with Wanda mm. that are holding the. Oh, know, they're the just standing there watching that, yeah. her talk. That's yeah, fine. Statues. I feel like we've seen that kind of creature. They Terrifying. look like cave. They look like cave trolls, right? From from Lord of the Rings, essentially, like yeah. that that size, that kind of thing. And then the obviously the demons um, when when Strange Dream walks, which is that feels very Raimi to the, me. The, yes, um, and, that, I, and I did enjoy that. We talked about that. That's Same. fun and whimsical and weird, and I I, I enjoyed that part of it actually. Yeah. I wanted um, more of that. Yes. Yeah. I needed a lot more of that. Well, when we got to that point in the movie, it's like it's like. Why hasn't this been the movie <laughs> yeah. the yes. whole time, you know? Because because we've got to make sure everything's connected and that we're making sure I, that I, I agree. we're relating to everything else that's going to happen and yeah. that's happened before. We can't just talk. We can't live in the movie, yeah. you know? Well, we've already started talking about some of these characters a little bit more, so let's move into our next category. We talk about the cast called Knights and Deadites. One by one, we will take you. <sighs> Okay, since we let's do this a little backwards. Since we started talking about her already, let's talk about America Chavez, played by Xochitl Gomez. This is a new character created in 2011. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Welcome to hell. Her power is to move from from multiverse to the next, and has no multiverse counterparts as she's singular in the multiverse. Right? Makes hmm. you wonder where she's from. Hopefully, we get a, a movie or a TV series about her. Opening of the movie. There's the line where she says. 
you're killing me. And it reminded me of Friday the 13th. He's killing me. He's killing killing me. She's got a, she's got a pride pin on her jacket. Cool, cool jean jacket. I like the, the design of that. America never dreams. And there is only one of her in the multiverse. So the, basically, if, you, if you've ever had a dream before, they establish that you, you have other multiverse personalities. And that's actually happening somewhere in the 73 universes, which she's traversed. And and in, from her world, she has uh, her moms who basically get, you know, let me cut de- you off. Here. Let me cut you off here. Uh, yes. Right. I think it's so brave of Disney to have queer representation in this movie that they know that they can easily edit out. Just, just don't show them locking arms and you mm-hmm. can have her cut. You can cut her saying Madres to Madre as they sell out to other countries. that are much more intolerant than we are. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. brave of Disney. Just terrific. Really brave. Well, you know? it did, is that, is that what they did in other countries? Is it, did they edit oh, Mac, that? Where China it's, where and these other oh, countries yeah. will not, will not show any movies with any queer. Right. But I'm saying is, is that, is is that did they do that? Did they actually cut that from other films, and or, or did China just say no, we're not going to show it because they know that over here that that's? I would assume, on. and yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I would assume that they do not have her saying madres and linking arms. Mm. And it's not just China; some other countries too that are extremely intolerant. Well, and it's and also sure just like the lowest bar possible that they ever yeah. do, and then they make the biggest deal possible online through media publications with quotes and what have you. And it's the same thing that happened with Lightyear, and ultimately the scene was just forgettable. And that's what how it always is. I mean, that's yeah. how it has been in Star Wars. It's how it's been with Marvel. And this is like, or what's his me, name? It's like fucking uh, what's his name from uh, Beauty and the Beast? Like, for oh a yeah, split second. Well, we're gonna have a movie. spinoff and explore. And it's like, no, you're not. You're you're not it's, it's, it's just so full of shit. And like, that's my that's where I get like, you know, if you're gonna do it, do it. Exactly. You know? do you're it. fucking Disney. You are the biggest company in the world. I think representation is incredibly important, but don't give this half-assed thing. And if you're gonna half-ass it, don't fucking sit here acting like you're changing the world because you're exactly. not. You're not doing shit. And like, yep. it's so. It's it's just. That stuff drives me nuts, and then everyone fucking eats it up on Twitter, and then they get in arguments about it, and then you're just arguing over nothing because nothing is happening in these movies. And it's just like, that's right. I mean, ultimately, it's just right. I can't even watch these arguments that take place anymore because it's just like, if there was something really worth arguing here, I'd, I'd be like, sure. But there really isn't. It's, they're just, it's the lowest bar that I could yeah, possibly it's the say lowest. Here. It's like these tossed off characters, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and and, and honestly, boss. she's a to- oh, yeah. she kind of feels like a toss off character here because, as I was mentioning with the Elliot Page comparison with Inception, like it's just a conduit for exposition. Yeah, she's just a conduit for exposition, and like I don't feel like I ever get any sense of who this character is. It seems pretty radical to throw her in from the get go. I get that they're trying to do the comic book serial thing where it's like, all right, we're just right into the next story, which I usually appreciate, but all I. I just don't really get much from here because it's just, there's so much going on in this story that you don't, yeah. she doesn't have any time to really well, do that's it. That's the thing is that this movie, this movie truly should have been Dr. Strange waking up or, or walking around his, his home and her showing up immediately pulling her, her, him into a different dimension. And it's just the two of them, the whole movie running away from something that eventually in the third act is revealed to be, nightmare or wanda or whatever it is you know what i mean something you didn't have to build up during the movie some a, a character we already know to be a villain or something yeah. I, I just feel like then yeah, you can really flesh them is out this, more is this a bad performance because she's i think 
was it Zochi Gomez? She's yeah. thrown into this impossible situation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she's literally. I mean, the movie starts off. She's literally in an impossible situation. There's like we don't know <laughs> yeah, who this true. is. There's no stakes, like you said, Mike. There's no stakes because is this person? If this person gets killed in the first five minutes, we're not going to really feel anything. I we don't know just, her. I also just. I guess I don't really like the design so much because it's like it just reminds me of like we're watching like Super Mario All Stars or um, or is it Smash Brothers where it's like. Yeah, she rip, she creates a ripple, like a ripple Brothers. in the multiverse, and it's like a star. It just felt like very like too video gamey to me. It's I guess like, there was a star on hey, her jacket. Is, Maybe I know, but it just seems it just seems so lame. It, like I, I I don't know. It just like it just feels so. Um, I, I, there's something about the star that drives me nuts where it just feels so like, so she creates a ripple and it is the star that's also emblematic of like the jacket and everything. It just felt so like video game to me where I was, it just, I don't know. For I, some I reason that you. bothered me. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we're going to continue talking about her as we continue to talk about this, but let's move to Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange. Now I want to point out in the beginning of the film at the wedding, he's drinking a Vesper, which is very James Bondy drink to drink from Casino Royale. He's obviously, you've got the Book of Ashanti, you've got the Darkhold. The end of the film, Strange is walking down the street, eventually branching a third eye, which basically means that there are, in fact, repercussions to using the Darkhold, which we talked about ad nauseum during the film, and that an evil has possibly awakened in him. What will happen next? Charlie's Throne will show up. But uh, I've got to point out, I've got to point out a misstep in the film that is like, I can't get past now in order to prove that he's Dr. Strange to the, to the evil variant at the end of the film, he tells a story about his sister, but how would that variant know anything about that reality's version of Dr. Strange? Like just because he had a sister in that reality, well, how would the variant know that he's strange? Because Maybe he had a sister. It doesn't make any sense the way that he has to prove himself to that variant. It's so bizarre. It does not make any sense. And in a movie that doesn't make any sense because it's all multiverse, you have to have some levels of like structure. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. And I didn't like that scene at all. There's a moment when he he uses tiny dragons to, to, to attack Wanda and he hisses like the dragon and which made me laugh out loud, <laughs> but it is very, it is very a Dr. Strange thing for him to do. Um, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is, is, is fine in this movie. He, he said in an interview that he, rather than in these other movies that he's been in where he feels like he's just along for the ride, that when they are the singular movies, he does feel like he has a lot more to contribute, a lot more to create the character and all that stuff, which obviously you do. Because most of the movies that when you're in any of these Marvel movies, you are just along for the ride. You're there to do your scene out of context, probably at the top of the shoot rather than the end of the film, whichever, wherever you're showing up. You do the lines and and, and that's it. Oh, what oh, okay. was it? I just posted something. I just sent around, um, what's his name, from uh, Aquaman 2. Where he said, like, working in these films oh, is like clown, it's a clown, it's, it's, it's clown work. Yeah, yeah. Clown work. <laughs> and I got a feel it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, hey, you signed on to this movie and you also signed on backwardly that you're going to do 15 appearances in, in other Marvel movies. Come in today. We're going to shoot this. So it's like, I, I get that too. But uh, what do we feel about um, okay, here's Benedict my point. Cumberbatch? In this I think movie? Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor. He was terrific on Sherlock, Villainous and Atonement years ago. He, now he's kind of in this biopic hell. For main movies he's in, um, I, I don't understand. Look, I'm not I'm not a scholar. Okay, would it have really affected 
people's opinions of this character that much if we just let him speak with a British accent? I, that, you think, would, that would there have been an uproar? I know. He, I guess he's supposed to be like a New York doctor or something. But can you have me? He's like a transplant. He's working in New York now. I, I, I just, I, I, I just don't think his American accent is that strong. First of all, it sounds strange, uh, pun intended. <laughs> it just, I don't get it. Like yeah, other countries I, aren't going to care about his accent, right? If, I, I don't know. I, I know. I, I agree. It's weird because in the documentary, very like this. he's speaking. Wanda, See, you I, cannot do this. I, I never really it's watched just, him in anything because I, I, I've never seen. I, I don't watch a lot of the BBC stuff, so this is honestly like, man, like the first time I'm really like watching him and stuff. Um, other than like, other, oh man, this is not a good representation. He's like a great, great, great actor, and this is just because I've seen him in like Twelve Years a Slave and 1917 and all that stuff, that stuff. But like, oh, yeah, the thing is, is yeah, yeah. I do like how like curt he is. I, I mean, for me, the Marvel movies. It's kind of like how Home Alone is when I, you know, as a kid, loved the hijinks, right? But now when I revisit Home Alone in the holidays, during the holidays, I'm like really loving the human elements to it. It's kind of how I am with like these Marvel movies. Mm. Like I was texting you all before we went to go see Doctor Strange or Multiverse of Madness. I had never seen the first one. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the first one. And I was saying how... I kind of wish we had more time of him just as a surgeon because I enjoyed those scenes more than when he like becomes Dr. Strange. Like I just, I enjoyed his sort of um, matter of fact way of talking and his blunt sort of nature to it. And I think I attribute a lot of that to his stoicism to the American accent. Cause I don't really know the alternative per se. Like, you know, so I, well, I will say if you're look if you're looking for that kind of bluntness in his regular accent, watch watch the first. Yeah, like, he's supposed to be great. In there, right? Yeah, because he he's he's, he's great in it, he, and he is that, very I mean, that short. That show went to hell too, but he was yeah. really. But he's he supposed to be great. I mean, fault, last year's the really power good. of the dog. He has that sort of. Oh, he's great, and to be fair, he doesn't. He has like yeah. kind of a Western so, accent. I'm just saying, in terms of this role, I think it would have been better served. And and to be fair, as we're as we're playing like producers chair here. Maybe he felt that with the dialogue, the pithy dialogue he has, that he would have come off. Yeah, too probably. Much like I mean, yeah, maybe, and, I and, and that makes sense. I take it all you're back. Wanting to create a different <laughs> character, yeah, it's it's difficult because I agree. I think it would have been easier, but you know, it is what it is. I think in the first film, it took me a long time to get used to him talking like that because I was mm. so used to him talking. I see that uh, we're here again, accent, but. Oh, but I now, see that we are here. Wong, it's good to see you. <laughs> I don't I do Very love weird. just how he's in these radically insane situations <laughs> and he usually always comes off as so just like I don't know, unperturbed. Like it and I and I Very yes, much like Sherlock probably. on yeah, BBC. Yeah. Oh, I see that we're we've landed here again. Are you America. happy, Wong? Well, America, you've got to trust yourself, you happy? America. It's very right. like, You're s- it all sounds like I'm watching a, 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 a dubbed Italian yeah, movie by Dario Argento. You're going to have an upset stomach. Oh, um. <laughs> I'm not feeling very well, well after someone, that. Someone who speaks <laughs> in their own, their own well, I was going to say original accent, like they created it, is Love Wanda her. Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen. Now, let me just run through this. Wanda's gone. She's She's got the dark hold, and the dark hold has her, right? Um she can re- rewrite reality as she chooses. This is Scarlet Witch. Prophesize to rule or annihilate the cosmos. 30 minutes in, and Wanda is outright killing comitage folk, eviscerating people. I, I don't know. What, do what do we feel about that? I, that per- personally, having watched WandaVision, and I know it ends weird, Justin, I, I, I get that. This is some... I think Elizabeth Olsen does a lot with this yeah. role. I think that she really... 
even if, if it's if it's you know we are where we are this is what it is i was told last minute in wandavision that we had to go this route i think she really does try her her darndest to, to do this and make it an evil character and a complex character and i think that she makes it interesting when it really wouldn't be interesting i think if it was anyone else doing it uh well, well or here's, it, or here's a different villain or simple, and i think villain. that's why mike you, you yeah. probably have a oh, different totally. read is the fact that is in WandaVision, for those who didn't see it, you don't know what's happening in the first few episodes, and then you find out that she's got this entire town under her spell, and they're unable to leave because she's kind of lost her mind because Vision died. And so she creates this alternate world where she's got Vision back, she's got children who, are, who aren't really real, and she's kind of lost her mind. She's the villain, and, and she, won't, she won't be reasoned with. People try to reason with her, and she flings them around and is violent towards them and everything else. This goes on for four hours worth of television. And it's like six weeks worth, basically. And then, it's, and then uh, she, she, she realizes the error of her ways. And then she releases the town. She feels so bad. And so she says, I'm going to go away. And, 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 and so it won't be a danger to anybody. You know? So that's it. And, and I know there's that bullshit post-credit where she's got the book and she's Scarlet Witch again. That's fun for comic book fans, I guess. But we're going back to basic storytelling. And when you've got an arc that is done, and, that, and the arc, in my opinion, was in that show that she lost her mind and she regained it, she realized the error of her ways. And to do the exact same story mm. beats again, where she's slightly more evil this time, literally killing people, and now, once again, she realizes the, the evils of her ways for the second time in 14 months. Yeah, it's, it's not, ridiculous. It's not her. That she, is she's ridiculous. Doing a good job. She took a she took a nothing character from those Avengers movies, in my opinion, yeah. and really made something. She's got like a huge fan following now, but it's totally am I, is redundant. The right no, word. Redundant. Is it redundant? Is it, that, it's just the same. Redundant. It's, it's redundant. It's redundant. And I'm sorry. It's redundant storytelling, and and, yeah. and for that to be the crux of the movie, which it really is, it's wasted. They should have made their decision. They should have just made yeah. her. They should have given her this arc in this movie alone. Or just giving it to the WandaVision show and left it at that because you can't do it twice. Now, it, it just it just gets boring. You don't feel anything. If Michael Waldron had been the showrunner for WandaVision coming into this, and then when he decided, hey, we're gonna go full tilt, she's gonna be evil. For some, I don't understand why they still hadn't finished WandaVision. So I still don't understand. Well, maybe it was airing or something. I can't remember, but. They should have just ended WandaVision with her really, really like they have to just stop her. And then she ends you know up disappearing it, or something because if they, they had really leaned into her becoming a real villain and WandaVision and saying, and I think it's a strong message because guess what? Not everyone can overcome things that happen to them. Yes. And I, and I think it's okay. It's okay to show that on the screen that you don't have to have everything not everybody overcomes their their grief over overcomes the the trials and tribulations of their lives and i think it's okay to show that sometimes like is it sad is it a bummer that wanda this great character scarlet witch is it becomes this evil thing and does not really ever come back from it yes but it's also very real and i think people will connect with that uh, I don't, so I don't know why they chose to, to do that and then go right back into it. It's, 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 and it's people say, well, she, she, she was led in by the book. I don't give a fuck about these Chekhov's book. You know what I mean? It, it's still, you know bad. what it is, Justin, 
Redundant you know what it is? It's storytelling. It's just not. You can't. You can't. It's what we always excuse. joke around with another Marvel character, uh, Magneto, where he's. You know, it's uh, Mike. Yeah, the exact it's the same thing. Over. It's it's how many times it's, did it's, we do um, this? And that's and I love yeah. that franchise. Don't get me wrong. As far as as far and as so comic book franchises like go, and especially yeah. those go to screen, more ten out of tens in that series than I do with most of the other ones. But like I, it did get exhausting. By especially by Dark Phoenix, where I was like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" It's like make your fucking mind up. And I get it to Mac, Mac your point. They're very you know char- characters need to be nuanced. We are nuanced human beings. Well, we go back diff- and forth. Yeah. I mean, you see me. I go back. Right. And, right. I mean, I'm yeah. bipolar, so I go back and forth all the time. But narratively and story wise, I mean, you're wearing. I a am. Gray I'm shirt in the gray right area. Now. You know, it's like Cobra Kai <laughs> season two. But I. For me, it's you are right in the sense that, like, narratively, when you're building your narrative around those beats, especially that soon. I mean, this is literally this the follow up, right? I mean, it's like it's it's yes. kind of wild to think that like you're you are just recycling it again. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like years and years later or something like that, but to do it again that soon, it's confounding. You know. Well, my, my example from the X movies is. is- you know, just about mm-hmm. every X movie near the end, there's always a moment where Professor X tells Magneto, Eric, I know you're a good person deep down. And he's just, you know, yeah. slaughtered hundreds like, of thrown people. Thrown like on a, a stadium on somebody. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. This guy sucks. It's over. Yeah. There's no redemption. Yeah. You know? Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other story. But, no, uh, I, 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 there's one thing where you have com- complex characters versus like uh, characters that are just never really make up their mind. I mean, you can have a complex character, but the way that they do Magneto in every single movie, we're like, well, he can be good, yeah. but then he's bad. Uh, well, and, and it listen, doesn't become the, interesting the when you do it every movie. You know what of, I mean? It's the idea like, of ugh. turning an Avenger into a villain is, mm-hmm. is great on paper. I think so, yeah. But I think, like I said, they just... Now, I sound repetitive and reductive as well, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. They just they, they bungled it. They, 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 yeah. they went too far, as Billy yeah. Crystal once said. Well, uh, something I did want to mention, like as as we're going through the rest here, and then we'll, I'll backtrack a little bit here, is have these people been in like a horror franchise before or a horror movie? Um, like, mm. what's their what are their legs there? Like, Benedict Cumberbatch was in a play version mm. of Frankenstein, yeah, um, Johnny Lee with Miller. Johnny Lee Miller, where they Frank's every funny. night during the sh- production they would switch roles. So it was like one would be Dr. Frankenstein, one so would cool. be the monster. And then the next night, one would be the monster, one would be Dr. Awesome, Frankenstein. Man. Really cool. I think they good filmed luck, it. Good yeah, luck memorizing all that and keeping it straight. Yeah, they filmed it and they streamed it. And I believe Danny Boyle. He did, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, so check that out if you want to see him stretching it. More of his horror chops there. Um, I think Zochi Gomez was in a lot of television stuff. Uh Something like Evil Things and um, Shadow Wolves. I, I'm hoping these are horror things. I don't know. I didn't do enough research on on this because we came up with this right before the episode started. Uh, you're forgetting yes, uh, a big uh, Cumberbatch horror uh, icon. Um, he was uh, in Hobbit too. Uh, he's Smog. Uh, oh, he's sm- voice yeah. Smog. Smog. That's right. As that's the Denise right. trailers have him as a desolation yeah. of Smog. I'm sure it's actually um, the correct pronunciation. Do yeah. not come after me. Hobbit heads, I apologize, but we have, we have two other characters. Well, three other characters to kind of talk about a little bit, but um, you have Wong. Ben, like Benedict Wong's fun. He, he, he he's funny in these movies. Yeah, a lot of the the what's not, the soy I mean, banter between them. I thought, just, I yeah, thought, it's just ridiculous. It, 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 yeah. it was one of those. It was it was one of those things where when they when she throws him off the thing, I was like, I'm like, man, are they really killing Wong? No, no of course they're not, and they don't. 
He's hanging for 35 minutes. That's a bummer. I wish that if there were some more stakes here, like, God, what if she killed Wong in front of Strange? And like, you got to add some stakes. You got to add some real, because then he really is going after her at the end. We live in an era where people are scared to kill characters. They just don't do it. Benedict Wong is a very good actor. He's been in a lot of really good movies I love. Yeah. This is not Sean Ham. It's just like, it's it's like the basic, we've run out of everything to talk about with this movie. So now we got to say, hey, uh, Mike, you're going to love this. It's like, you know, is Wong the low key best yeah, Marvel character? Ever. Like, and it's, the no. answer is no. <laughs> no. I mean, the, 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 he pretty much is like the source and vessel for a lot of humor with Strange, all of which is just is you know to quote Randall, <laughs> soya humor, where it's just like the most inoffensive bullshit humor that you could possibly put, where it's just dumb quips over and over again. Yeah, let's let's yeah. improvise this real quick. Let's 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 big, do this right. Big, Check it out. We're in the street. We yeah. see we. See, we see a yeah. giant monster in front of us. Let's just improvise. This, this is the Marvel banter that's that's to come to. Ready? Okay, here we go. Yeah, that's a pretty big monster. That's oh, a pretty just big another monster. day in New York. Uh, you yeah, said like, it, brother. You, know, you want to go first? Uh, cut to monster uh, breaking through building. Oh, wow, that just happened. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, that's it in a nutshell. And, and nobody, you know what? Nobody in this, we've got some of the greatest modern actors, living actors in these movies. And I... Nobody can rise above yeah. it at this point. It's it's become it, well, it's like a virus. Or except for Chris yeah. Pratt though, who the does virus. like whoa, you know, like oh, whoa. time to rock and roll. You know, it's just throw me off a cliff. I, I'm so well, exhausted by the whole Enterprise now. I used to love. I, look, I can still go back and love some of those movies, but it's it's. Well, it, it reminds me pale. of okay. one of the long running bits that uh, that uh, Bill Hansen, friend of the pod, and also uh, my connective tissue to meeting Caffrey and all of you. When, when Fantastic Four came out, I'm pretty sure it's Fantastic Four. Chris Evans, before he became um, Captain America in another Marvel franchise, there was a point where it's like, there was a, in the trailer, it was like, you need to go, it's like, we need to do something. And it's just like, um, it's like, uh, don't think too much of it. Or he's like, never do or whatever. And like the way he like responds to like jumping into the scene, we used to make fun of the never do all the time and not knowing that like that little fucking banter right there is pretty much going to be all of the type of humor that we're going to see in Marvel for the next 15 fucking years. It's just like these. But I think that's why you enjoy yes. Ant-Man, right? Because you actually have real comedians like <laughs> doing real. Well, it's, a com- it's presented as a yeah. comedy yeah. first and foremost. And I, true, I know true. these other Thor movies are too, but it, Ant-Man I is a I think that's a mistake beast. there though. I think that's a mistake making, turning Thor into essentially gardens of the galaxy, I think is a huge mistake because there's just no gravity there. And there's in the, in, and side note, the Thor and love and thunder, there are some really heavy things. They try to tackle like cancer in the movie and all oh these, and, and then the, and it, it, it's oh, yeah, totally with, uh, all over the place. Can't wait there to things, dive in. And there are things that should work that don't work. And there are things that work, but then the next scene is just like, crazy zany and just silly so anyways, well, speaking of Taika Waititi, it's, it's the jojo rabbit knock where it's like he discovers his mother hanging murdered by nazis hanging he's like crying over the foot and then his buddy comes up with like a rocket launcher and starts firing <laughs> off a rocket launcher his little i like jojo buddy, rabbit like, but yeah you're right you are right oh man that was you want to talk about tonal jarring i mean yeah. anyway well we're, let's we're move to our, as yeah one of our, our last one of our last characters dr christine palmer rachel mcadams signed back on to do oh, thank this God. film and is given a lot given a lot to do actually surprisingly i, th- I didn't think she should be as in in much as much of the movie as she ended up being yeah yes you know great actor under, great actor well, uh, you know welcome back she got paid four hundred thousand dollars. i would have done Sammy the same said, thing uh, 
if she ever, if you ever took a photo of her at her wedding and she had the same dress and hair that Rachel McAdams has at that wedding, kill me. Like just the, the, I would a thousand percent disagree. I, my notes here is she is insane. No, no, I'm saying she is beautiful, but the, the dress movie. is the I, dullest I, dress, and her hair. This is Sammy's notes. Her hair just looks like they didn't even think it was like an afterthought, like in that sequence. Mike, you just described the Marvel yeah, Cinematic Universe. They, they couldn't afford a better dress, and but I, I do think that, like, compared to look, my big <laughs> criticism I had of the first one is that, like, McAdams, who I think is pretty much an underrated actor at this point, considering that she had a great run in the aughts and then yes. kind of feels like she's been underrated forever. She's pretty much underutilized in that first one. So I do like the fact that like when they're the sort of buddy cop element thing with the two of them you know, together on this adventure, I like that. And I wish we had more of that, but it's like, we don't get yeah. it until what, like the third act really. And, but also sadly, I feel like, even though we want more of her, I feel like they shouldn't have ever brought her back in because then you can really develop the strange oh, totally. America Chavez yeah. relationship yeah. more. Yes, and and there's like barely any dialogue from America Chavez like going forward, and it's but, just but like Mac, him and, and Rachel Mac, McAdams the whole time. I mean, look, not since the Stephen Peggy character have has there been such a classic relationship between Stephen and Christine. Well, that, don't get started on like, that. Well, will they make Disney, it? Well, love will isn't allowed in Disney, yeah. remember? Because you know we don't, you know we don't want to. It could be offensive, so they don't really want that to be a part of the narratives in any of their movies. Which is why you know this whole Star Wars movies went by without any sort of love whatsoever, other than the the, the safest bullshit things that they could possibly do. Oh, no. And then the same thing with Marvel. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the Marvel universe, we have Iron Man, Tony, and and uh, Pepper is Pepper Potts is her name. Like yeah, and that Pops. relationship is totally yeah. sidelined. No, I, I do. I, I was being sincere. I think that the Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter storyline there was actually a strength because there was real chemistry between the two of them, and that had like a big through line throughout the series. Yeah, of like, really will he see that. her again? How does he see her? He knows her old. And I thought that th- th- there was a reason why fucking Endgame wrapped up the entire series with the two of them together because I think that did resonate. But that's the exception to the rule, Mike. So I yeah, do agree I mean, with you. that's the exception because there's no but, other like we don't care. But about even any then, it's like I can't even name like a. I mean, is there a scene where they're even like I don't know? Does anyone fuck in this, this series? I mean, I know it's for kids and stuff. Well, there's a joke now in <laughs> She-Hulk about. Oh, I can't wait. Happened. Was that before or after the Megan the Stallion cameo that comes in there? Jesus Christ! Oh, man, that's, that's before. That's before that's a joke. The podcast. Uh, okay, last last character I really want to talk about before we get into. We have to talk about the Illuminati for a second. Oh, we do. Last yeah. character, which is sad, is the last character we're talking about, is the Chiwetel Ejiofor character, Baron Mordo. Great actor. Who is, in the first film, absolutely set up yeah. to be the big, bad, yep. He's like locked Doctor up Strange villain going end, right? forward. At the end of the... And, well, and he even was like yeah. recruiting someone at the end of the movie. Benjamin Bratt. And then to play too basketball. much time, COVID, <laughs> too much time goes by. I, I think... Doctor that Strange, I, I don't know. It just doesn't have the weight that they thought it would have or whatever it is. Because I love this actor. He's great. He's a great villain in Serenity. I think he could be really, really strong. He's a really strong actor. And he's the star totally, of a movie that won yeah. Best Picture. And now he's exactly. in this movie yeah, like yeah. being the, 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 uh, the bridge between tacked-on cameos yeah, and he's Doctor also, Strange. Just, just absolutely just overlooked and... Just overlooked in this. It, it, it's a bummer. Yeah. I really love him, uh, and it was just kind of a bummer to see. Mac, how I thought he was you mentioned the, the great character of Doctor West, played by Michael Stuberg, who I don't even remember at all in the first I, movie. I was and, gonna, and one of the worst wigs I've ever seen in my life. Like that wig I had he's him wearing in is, here. is incredible. Was, look, look, the Doctor disappeared in the blip. 
but I'm glad they're bringing the blip up. Like it's like just happened when it's been years since any of that stuff. He lost two cats uh, though, and his brother. And he's also a great actor, but what can cats. you do? He probably get paid more for that than like any. Well, he was of supposed the, to be uh, more. Anything he's ever I, done. I read though, that he was supposed fair. to be more, and then he couldn't do it because of scheduling. You know, probably because this movie had no idea when it was filming. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Exactly. Well, what, well, what, what was he going to do? Oh, man. There's who already knows? too many characters. There's already too many Okay, okay. Before we get, move on to the next category, we got to talk really quickly about the Illuminati. The, like, now, now, Michael Waldron said when they got to this part in the movie, in the script, they were like, what do we do now? We really got to like, do something extra. We got to like blow things up. Ugh. And that was the idea was to bring the Illuminati in and bring in all these like cameos essentially, which is based on, because what happened was they showed them a lot of like the what if show. Right. And they were like, this is like a lot of the multiverse we're playing with. And they were like, okay, so that kind of gave them the ideas. And it is very kind of tied to that. Cause you do see Peggy Carter as that character in the what if series my Marvel fan in me is like, I appreciate the swing, but it does feel, it feels like inserted into the movie and tacked in in a weird way. You go first, Mike. I got some notes. Well, the, they're, they're actually, the discussion with them really does actually surround more with like the next section for me, technically, because that's really the only thing I could actually list on here <laughs> is, and it's, it's all tied to their characters and their, their fates yeah, for the I most agree. part. I agree. So I don't know if there's, if you well, want, we can talk about that then. Right, well, uh, I'll as just we say up, Justin, the strength of Spider-Man no way home is not only did you hide the fact that, you know, the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man characters are going to be in this movie. Not only did they appear, but they play a pivotal role yeah. In the movie, you cannot you cannot remove those characters from the movie and have the movie exist. It wouldn't work. However, so, in this movie, you easily could cut out that entire twelve minute sequence with with the fucking cameos from everybody's mm-hmm. you know the fan casting of John Krasinski online for to, to be Mister Fantastic, Fantastic. You could totally cut that out, and the movie is not affected at all, at all. And I think that that's just fan wanky bullshit, and, and I'm so sick and tired of. It's, and they're like you said, just have something extra. Just have some people go, oh, and then, but then there's zero impact the second time you watch it. Nothing. What it is is a way, what they use that for is a way to have Wanda actually kill people so that there's stakes, but the stakes don't really matter because they don't really, they're not in this universe. You know what I mean? Like they, they, that's they do what exist in that, no they do exist in that universe. Yeah, who cares? But they don't, but we don't, we don't have attachments to them as those characters in, those, in that universe. She's not killing our yeah. Peggy Carter. She's killing Captain Carter. I will say, though, to their credit, though, it's the most, for me, it's, it, I don't know, that was an exciting moment. Even if I have no fucking stock in these characters, just their fates alone were like, well, that's oh, the best this kill. Is I agree, fun. Mike. We, exactly. I, I, yeah. 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 Those and are the positives, I guess. And yeah. we'll move, we're going to move into that in two seconds. I just want to say the only thing that works in that sequence, and to, to Justin's point, I think is the professor X scene where he tries to reach Wanda yeah. because you're like, Oh, now you are a pivotal part of this movie. And I like that. And I thought, Oh, this is gonna, he's really, he's trying to save Wanda, but then, you know, he gets, <laughs> he gets got, which leads us to our next category. Life is hard and dangerous. And sometimes you just got to chop off somebody's head to survive. We are eating a giant shit sandwich right now. Are you good down here for a minute? While I try and unfuck the situation. I got it. Go. So this is the best kill. I'm going to say it's 
my boy, Anson Mount, <laughs> Black Bolt's head Great. being blown yeah. up inside of his own head. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I was like, why is Anson Mount in this? And I forgot that he plays this character in that Inhuman show, that short-lived, like, two, three-episode Inhuman show that was on. Oh, is he the same character? That was character the connection. Yeah, I believe he's oh, the wow. same character. So, uh, I, I, you know, again, they're, they're, they're pulling that in and making it make sense to a different outfit, different look, different universe version of him. But, you know, the what mouth thing and the head exploding is just, I thought was pretty brutal well it's like the body horror of it all is really eerie. The body horror, yeah. and then yeah. but the and that's yeah. kind of why i gotta go with reed richards because like not only the way <laughs> that he dies in this is so good and i just love that it like because i rewatched it again because it happened really fast in the movie theaters and then rewatching again it's like they twirl him into like a twizzler and then they kind of let it sn- like implode like a like a you know uh the mission impossible like the wick on the on the bomb and mm-hmm. i love that like it's so fucking cool again though it's just like a a fun blink and you miss it sort of moment but at the same time that that's the sort of darkness that i wish was throughout the whole movie you know yeah i mean i was kind of shocked that they went there at the very least um i guess my biggest question with like these castings though is that like so they've already insisted upon the fact that like the alternate versions of yourself are still the actors that play the alternate version. So like when you think about it, like the, the, the doctor strange in this universe is strange. It's still, it's still Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. And Peggy Carter still is Peggy Carter, Haley Atwell. So doesn't this kind of confirm that Krasinski is going to be Reed Richards? Well, I'm hearing because, he's absolutely not, which is but the that weird doesn't, thing. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Mike, then. I like a thousand well, percent agree. This like, is just yeah. giving into the, the, People on well, Twitter saying we got to see Emily Blunt and them as fantastic. But no, something that they something the only reason that I kind of like Sony's No Way Home multiverse is that it's, it's very obvious that yeah, no, that's true. You don't have to be the that same. That is person. a point. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't. And think that's about how that. they establish yeah. that. And I think that that's smart because you're never going to get the same person to come back 15 billion times over the next 20 years to uh, play the same character. That's what, that's I, why God invented contracts. Well, Patrick Stewart's I, but, definitely going to roll in on 2013, 2032 as, as uh, professor well, X uh, when know, he's I 95 do, or nine, wait, wait, 105 years old at that point. So he's I don't know if this, this might be not correct, but I did read something out there that said there was some weird thing contract wise that was like, they can use X-Men now, but they, they have to be the same actors right now until there's some kind of, I don't know. There was some that kind of contract. like a nightmare. But anyways, but not, not surprised. Oh, oh, by the way, my okay, favorite so, kill. Yeah. What was your favorite kill? Reed Richards. That, that, that weird yeah. Play-Doh looking. Oh, really? So yeah, gross. Yeah. It's so, so gross. gross. I also do like professor X's next snap with, with scary Wanda Scarlet, Witch showing up. I think that it was far more effective in Logan when he died. There. <laughs> I was just going to say that. God damn it. Just a little more effective in Logan. Yeah. When he passed away. That was, yeah, that, that's a, yeah. I gotta go back. That, that movie is so fucking good. The diamonds. I love it. That's my, that's the movie. Still my favorite comic book movie. Yeah, I can't believe the movie exists. Love it. I know. Well, before we get into Logan and James Mangold and everything, and the Jones. <laughs> We're going to move on to our next category, which I'm going to try to keep short. Great graphics. Ah! What do you know? The beat my score. (laughs) So here's where we talk about special effects because we haven't mentioned it at all yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. right. Let me just start with let me just start with this. Sam Raimi said that 
if it was practical, he wanted it to be practical. Now, in the behind the scenes, you think that 99% of it is not practical, but in the behind the scenes footage in the assembled doc on Disney Plus, a, a ton of it was practical. So, a lot of it, like strange flying around, all that stuff is done on wires. A lot of the explosions, the cars flipping, like the debris, all that stuff in the New York sequence in the beginning and all these, all this stuff was practical. So Sam Raimi really did try his hardest to push practical effects in a movie, in a movie that it's almost impossible to do practical effects because so much of it is Oh, magic, yeah. I mean, this you know? is the exception to the practical rule because he, this is supposed to be a surreal character. Yes. Like I kind of like the surrealism and, 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 the, yeah. and the use of special effects. Which I think um, actually looked a lot better in the first Doctor Strange somehow. Um, yeah. Well, but, there was that 3D element to it, right? Like, I actually, yeah. thought, I think I saw that in 3D with Chris, like, when it first came out. And I was like, I actually kind of like this. It's fun to, to see it in that realm because it is supposed to be that. Now, we've obviously talked a lot about how special effects weren't good. Justin, I'm glad you brought up the fact that the folks over at, uh, here, let me name it off, the third floor, Frame Store, Proof, Sony Pictures, Imageworks, Weta Luma Pictures, ILM, all the all the people that worked on the visual effects for this film, and there's no way I could name them all. If you even if you just go to like the IMDb, there's like 50 pages of visual effects artists and, and SFX artists and FX artists. Congratulations, you're doing an incredibly difficult thing, and obviously spread completely thin. So what I want to do instead of talking about all that because we have aired our grievances with the special effects in this movie already. What were effects and sequences that worked for you in this? I mentioned earlier the uh, the final ascent of Strange into the into the the cave with the the multiple demon yes, hands with the demons with the um, realm, when but, he, but especially yeah. I, I can't say something positive without saying something negative. That is once again that's the second Marvel movie in one year in which the lead character had to fly into an impossible to breach high cave entrance. The first being Shang Chi. Yeah, we're back to being negative again. But no, I, I thought that was a pretty effective. <laughs> And that, that kind of harkened back to the horror Sam Raimi. Yeah. Oh, and we talked about the uh, that great 40-second sequence of him going through all the multiverses. That is done. That, that was done really, really done well. well. And that, that was great. that was the um, was a VFX supervisor, Yannick Sirs, Alex Wajbrot, and Cindy Oaks. They were kind of responsible for that, crafting that 15-world multiverse shot. And I, I wish they were responsible for... Continuing one of those shots <laughs> for the next like 30 minutes and the whole Illuminati thing. But what can you do? Uh, Mike, was there a sequence that really stood out to you special effects wise? You mentioned some stuff, even if it's just little things like the cup, right? The ocean in the yeah, cup. Like that. Yeah. You like know, that stuff is cool. Th- that is stuff like when it works, it works. And there, I do think there's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, when it is, when it does feel like Raimi is when I certainly perked up and felt like I was uh, part of something new and different. I mean, not new, but like at least different. And I, I do like zombie strange, you know, there's a yeah. point where, where he's laying down um, at the end and kind of watching, um, I don't know, the, the 70th yeah, act yeah. go through. And uh, and he's like leaning on his arm. <laughs> I was kind of laughing. And it's just like this little bone that's holding him, propping him up. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. It's and, and I don't even think it was intentional. It just looks funny. And it it, it did make me wonder, like, it's kind of, it is still surreal to see like this happening in a Marvel movie. Like Sammy mentioned that when we were watching it last night. I was like, you know, say what you will about this movie. It is kind of wild that this is existing in a Marvel universe and 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 I kind of have to apply it for that in that sense, like all this stuff involving like you know like the whole candle conjuring and 
the demons flying to and from and the fact that we're just watching Benedict Cumberbatch who was nominated for an Oscar this year like in zombie makeup talking to <laughs> America Chavez it's fucking surreal and yeah. wild and I love that aspect of this movie I just wish that the movie was able to be like that weird or that like successfully weird front to back it, um, it was just so infected by everything it's got set up I know and yeah. everything that just came before it. And, and that it, like I said the strings are starting to show the, the strings are showing now with yeah. all that the connective and, tissues oh, and that leads that, Justin thank you that leads into my favorite special effects moment where the strings are attached by notes uh, the musical note yeah. battle is really creative and innovative and really works it's a cool sound piece uh, paired with the the special effects, I re- that is the kind of Doctor Strange stuff I love, and you get a lot more of that kind of stuff. I feel in the first film, yeah. as opposed to this film. This film is just a lot of like tearing cars apart and stuff like that with magic. And I wanted also really quickly to give a shout out to, and I left it on here, Julian Daniels, who's the magic choreographer who works with them to create all of the hand movements. That is really specific, and I really appreciate that that level of detail is still there, where they could have just been like, yeah, do this, you know, and just kind of make it look magical, you know? Like, they actually got, got down to the level of creating spell movements, and, I, wait, and that's wait, wait, actually wait, wait, really wait, cool. Wait, 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 They hired somebody who says he's an actual, works in, like, actual magic that's not just, like, card tricks? No, it says magic like choreographer. It says magic choreographer. I think he's just a choreographer in general, right? So he does a lot. So the movement with the hands, there's actually, yeah. and I can't remember what it's called. There's a specific like dance uh, thing that you can do out there that's like specific to that. And he incorporated it using it into coming up with the, the magic uh, choreography for the movie. But I was just saying is like there is a level of detail that they're still spending. Yeah. In, in places that I think works. And I, and I, I like all those movements. It's not just random. I just wish the movie as a whole was treated with such detail-oriented uh, respect and everything. But yeah. what can you do? So, y'all, I think that's it. We're going to move into our uh, answering the final question about whether this works as a horror film. In our final thoughts, let's head to the Delta. What the hell was that? Are you trying to kill us? Hey, don't blame me. It's your steering wheel. Thing, I think jerked right out of my hand. Yeah, I understand that. I had this thing in for a tune-up yesterday, and they said they'd go over everything. Yeah, well, you better take it back, because the damn thing don't work. The only thing that does work is this lousy horn. All right, who wants to start off by answering the question, does horror have a place in the Marvel world, and does it does this work as that horror conduit? Or will we see more? And your thoughts on Doctor Strange. And let's go with uh, uh, giving it dark holds. <laughs> Dark holds. How many dark okay. holds? Uh, I, you know, I think there is a place for horror in the Marvel universe. I think there's a place for you know comedy. I think there's a place for fantasy. I think there's a place for all of it. It just you know boils down to whether or not the suits are just going to allow the fucking filmmakers to do what they want to do. I mean, it's the same conundrum that happened with Star Wars. I mean, remember when that kicked off and Kathleen Kennedy was getting up there at D twenty three and being like, we're going to do really original stories and take us to different places in the galaxy. And ultimately we've gone to Tatooine 30 times. <laughs> and then also another Tatooine, Jakku. So it was exciting. <laughs> so if, if, you know, if the suits are allowed, and I say the suits in the most pejorative sense, but, you know, if they allow, you know, this sort of sandbox invention 
and you know playing around in the sandbox to happen with these franchises yeah it totally have a place and i think dr strange is emblematic of that because when this movie does get into the horror elements and allows itself to be scary and to be different it's exciting and especially when you have someone like sam raimi who can do it so just let the fucking people do it and just stop worrying so much about whether or not you're going to be able to kind of build these bridges to the next thing and because ultimately you've already created this world that you owned and that you've sold on to billions of people across the world, have some fun in it and stop worrying so much about whether or not the tape is all going to be there. And like, I know that's never going to happen. And so, you know, I say that with uh, as much optimism as I can, but in terms of Dr. Strange, you know, I set the bar pretty fucking low with these movies. (laughs) You know, I've never loved them. Um, I've liked a few, as I mentioned earlier in this, this episode, but they're content to me. I mean, it's printed money for Disney. It's like, so I think I came out of this liking it more than, than both of you, especially since I hadn't watched WandaVision, but I think really is cause I was really expecting a total hired gun job. I mean, let's not forget. I came into this movie literally hours ahead of time on an episode. I think one of our list episodes saying we're never going to see Raimi in this movie. And that just wasn't true. Yeah. You know, granted, um, 65% of the time we don't see Raimi, but I was still surprised by the 35% that we do because, you know, when the second zombie strange opens his eyes, I definitely go, okay, we're in dark, we're with the territory that the, the guy that dark man, you know, the director of dark man is, was in, which is exciting to me. And in terms of Raimi and his prowess, I mean, you could still tell that he has his mojo. I mean, it, it's not easy making a movie like this. It's really not. And the fact that he was able to still create a movie within the sort of constructs he was given and still excite me with his flares, that excites me. I just think he keeps picking the wrong movies. I mean, I think financially, sure, this is the right direction. Huge Marvel movie. I can't argue with him there. But, and it's, it's definitely one of the more, like, inventive ones that he could have chosen. Like, you know, if I, I can imagine if he, like, came into, I don't know, the next Thor movie. I just don't think that would work for him. But, like, so I think he chose the right one. I just think that maybe the next move right now is give me a dark drama. I want like a Cohen style dark drama. Like he did with a simple plan. You know, he kicked around that idea of doing the given day by like Dennis Lehane. Go do that. Go do that. Now you have the money, go do it. Bring in some of your regulars, fucking kick it out, spend $3 million on it. Go film it in the middle of America and bring me back. Like show me what you got again in that capacity. Cause you Mm -hmm. obviously we've seen with this, with Oz, with Spider-Man three, all your other spider movies, you know, you, you can make a big budget movie and obviously you can make money on it, but I want to still see if you can give you the storyteller and the visionary director that you sold us on and the reason why we're doing the whole year indebted to Evil Dead. It doesn't have to be a horror movie. Just give me a small drama. And that's what I say. So back to Strange, give it like two and a half string hold. What was it called? Dark, dark, dark holds. holds. Dark, dark holds. holds. Like two dark holds with like 50 pages of a dark hold. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. A hundred page dark cold book, you give it fifty pages on top. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, I've said my piece about how I feel about the movie, so I'll just give a couple of caveats and uh, notes before I give you my my star ratings. Um, and also the horror aspect. Well, it's funny because Mac yesterday they announced that Gail Garcia Bernal is going to be in that Werewolf by Night yes. Halloween special mm-hmm. for Mar- for Marvel. It's like a, like a black and white maybe werewolf yeah, special is. or something. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. And they've also got their Marvel Zombies cartoon, I guess. I'm sorry, animated series coming out next year. And, look, love or hate it, Morbius is, is angled. It's kind of like a horror movie. That's out there. Blade's coming soon. 
We'll see how much of a horror movie that is. So, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they keep leaning into that, into that genre because they, they've been leaning into it. Yeah, but anyway, as for the movie itself, look, I haven't seen Crime Wave and Oz, and I'm sure they'll knock him down, but I've got Sam Raimi right now like my top 25 forever of all time directors. I can't name 20 directors who've got more solid or great movies than him. Like I said, I like about 67% of the Marvel movies. I have not seen Eternals, and I have not seen Thor, Love, and Thunder. Having said all of that, as of right now, I think that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of quote-unquote Madness is the worst Sam Raimi movie, and it's the worst Marvel movie. And I give it two two solid dark holds out of five dark holds. I think it's very bad. And I can't believe I had to see it twice in a span of four months. <laughs> I, 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 having never planned to see it again, it was such a bummer. It was also, but I will say, I take it back because that was also the movie when I walked it. I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to watch any more Marvel stuff. This is my exit point. I'm actually happy that this happened. So I can kind of just, you know, li- literally just do other things. and have to worry about, <laughs> I got to watch this 30-minute episode of a mid-tier series to watch another three-hour or two-hour mid-tier movie at best. So, well, yeah. you've signed off. You've signed. You've said the same thing about Star Wars. Yep. So you're out on Star Wars. You're Star out on Marvel. Yep. Is Indiana Jones the really the only thing you have left? To, well, I mean, Disney? the thing about Indiana Jones is that there's only movies, so I can't yeah. really unless they decide yeah. to make a TV series again. And after, if you I put it out in the air, movie, so now they but, are going to uh, do that. So, and well, God Almighty, good luck. I mean, it worked really well for Solo. People, are you I know you loved it, but you know, it didn't do really well worldwide. So uh, it didn't. But so, are you? If if Indy's out. Are you out on Disney then? I'll put it this way: I, I'm not going to be subscribing to Disney Plus anymore. I just yeah, unsubscribe yeah. finally because I, I, I think I would have to resubscribe. This is extremely boring for everybody else, but um, <laughs> look, I had a three-year plan when it launched, and now I'm mercifully done. So I, I can, I'm not going to resubscribe. Anyway, yeah. sorry, sorry to Game Changers season two. No Emilio, no Justin. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, as Disney Plus's She-Hulk said, everyone loves Wong. So I've got a Wong quote for you to wrap up my feelings. Uh, The quote is, I remain grateful about this universe, even with its tribulations. And the initial phases, which led to Endgame, were for me. The rest are just for younger audiences. And to to you, I say good luck. You know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a mess. Is it an enjoyable mess? For me, it's entertaining. I think this second watch was really arduous and maybe it's because i was taking notes but i did like it less this time i do feel like for me i think what's what the film has allowed me to do kind of like justin was to finally breathe and say i'm out and not necessarily in a negative way i just i'm just not so precious about these films anymore and seeing them as soon as they come out and making sure there's no spoilers and you know and knowing all the ins and outs and the connectivity what it's allowed me to truly do is just watch these films going forward and ask myself is is it a good movie rather than was was it a good 30th film to help build this movie i think there's a place for horror in the marvel universe obviously some of the stuff you mentioned justin and, and mike will marvel ever go full steam with that probably not but they've got more problem more problems to, to worry about with this the next phase of of marvel being solely in the multiverse i just think it's too much You've got too many series, too many movies. It's the thing when they tried to start talk about doing James Bond movies every year and have spinoffs and everything. They got wise and they realized 
No, it's more special when you do stuff like Mission Impossible, which we talked about already, when and Bond, when you have to wait three years for these movies to come out, because then by then, even if the last movie was garbage, you're like genuinely excited. You're like, oh, cool, it's another one. Because mm-hmm. it's been enough time to forget that and to also like have the want for it to be there. There's just no ceremony anymore. I think when I first saw this movie, I gave it three dark holds. <laughs> I'm now down to two dark holds and, and 50 pages of, of another dark hold. I'm, I'm right there with Mike. I think it's, you know, it, yeah, I generally enjoy a, a bits and pieces of it. And I do like that Raimi comes through, but it's just not, not as well. Special. This averages out Mac to two dark holds and 33 pages, 33 oh. pages. Okay. Well, that's the official Bang. Halloweeny realm. We'll obviously we can get uh, Dan and, and Mike's thoughts on that uh, eventually going forward. I'm sure it'll mess up everything a little bit, but maybe not. So I just want to thank everybody for joining us as we traverse the multiverse, but we've learned how to use our magic star power and oh by the way we could have just done stars for this one it's true yeah <laughs> how many multiple you know stars <laughs> we fought our way back from the netherworld to our 2022 and as diane court once said go back uh but seriously to round out the month here on halloweenies we've got the hitcher for our rental episode which is great because y'all get to record that tomorrow. Um, so yeah. right into another long episode. But, it's, uh, it's really, it's the fifth one, I think, this week for me. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. Oh, good luck. But seriously, uh, that's led by Dan Caffrey and uh, folks back to Haddonfield for the month of October, which I'm really excited about. We've got a, a great slew of episodes there to ring in the Halloween season. Justin, what, what exactly are we covering next Well, first, month, I want to thank you, Matt, for hosting this episode because yeah, I would have been yeah. on total uh, flame-out session. I would have lost my <laughs> mind because of doing a million other things right hey, now. Thank no you very worries. much for hosting yeah, I love, this. I love Marvel. Uh, exactly. Like I said, You're the person even, with, do it, even I feel. with all of its stuff, it's... I still am a, I'm a big Marvel head. But, um, I mean, for October, Mike, you'll have to help me out, too. I mean, for God's sakes... What's crazy to think about is that this is the this is the last Evil Dead movie we're doing for the year. So we're kind of done mm-hmm. with yeah. the coverage once yeah. again for uh, our, our season five. But I mean, we still have to do our rankings later on this month. But I mean, October we're going to have Halloween ends. We're going to be doing a commentary for uh, Halloween, Halloween three. three, Halloween three, season of the witch, and we're gonna mm-hmm. be, we're probably going to do another like live Twitch stream of us watching Halloween kills as well. <laughs> That's like right. We um, yeah. We're gonna have to watch it sometime. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh, I got definitely rewatch it before it ends. And then, I mean, so the the other goodies for Halloween. Well, I'm sure we'll have another fun, maybe Halloween centric list episode, which we've been we enjoying will. to yeah. do. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna else? be doing our our live our our possible oh, live God. live list on the 14th at the Music Box while we uh, introduce the Midnight Movie, which will be Return of the Living Dead Two. Uh, Mike, what's them. happening over at the Losers Club uh, for Spooky Season? And the rest of this month, nonstop. Uh, we just debuted our ninety-minute live show uh, last week, uh, to which we dove headfirst into a three-hour episode in the highs and lows of the Stephen King Renaissance, which is now available. Uh, we interviewed Bev Vincent about uh, his his new incredible Stephen King tome, which is you should definitely get. We, I know Caffrey is leading a Patreon-only discussion on I Was a Teenage Werewolf, Michael Lannon's movie for The Crate, which is uh, a series where we talk about all the movies that influenced uh, Stephen King. And then we got a, bail, a Bag of Bones mailbag episode. Uh, Justin's going to be leading a book episode on Fairy Tale, which is a 600-page book. 
Uh, we have another interview with uh, Castle Rock Kitchen author Theresa Carl Sanders that's going to be there. And then we're heading to Maine where we're going to be doing more live stuff. And literally more, heading to Maine. Uh, we're literally heading to Maine. And so it's been, it's a busy fucking month. Yeah. I'm keeping it together, but uh, <laughs> it's been, it's, it's going to be a wild time. This is probably the busiest fall I think I've ever had in my entire life. Well, so you know, Mike, it's been, it's been extremely busy for all of us, especially for you and Randall in particular, yeah. but uh, it's, been, it's been extremely rewarding because there's a lot oh, of Halloweenies, Losers yes. Club crossover, and we saw a lot of people um, at the Losers Club yeah. uh, fest at, at the Music Box. There are also Halloweenies listeners. So again, thanks for all the support. It really is, uh, it means a lot to see people come out and, and support the project 100% so, yeah 100% absolutely more, more to come obviously so definitely stick around for all of that we're really excited about it it is a lot but you know what this is this is the stuff we get the most excited about so it's gonna oh, be absolutely. really really yeah. fun yeah uh well we're safely back at home and we've said good night and are walking to our respective abodes when suddenly we all keel over and look up to the heavens and reveal we all have a third eye has the Halloweenies podcast unleashed a darkness within us? Of course. We've always loved horror and continue to do so. And at the end of the day, we can only hope that you will join us. Join us. Join us. This is the end of our show, for now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>